You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today, I've got Cam Berry with me. We've got T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon. Full show plan for you here on this Wednesday afternoon as we inch ever closer to football. Now, 10 days away from Auburn football, three days away from week zero. So, of course, getting ready for the football season, we continue to preview the Power 5 conferences. Today is the Atlantic Coast Conference after doing the Pac-12 on Tuesday and the Big 12 on Monday. So we'll preview the ACC in the 5 o'clock hour, including in our Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Earlier in the show, in the 4 o'clock hour or so, we'll have uh, some more previewing of Auburn football. We'll go through maybe some X-factors on the Tigers football team for 2023 and also update you on the ever-changing landscape of college athletics as Uh, More realignment uh, murmurs, you can call them, just before the show today. Uh, And so we'll update you on that, especially if more becomes available. So uh, we missed uh, missed talking about it for a week or two. Uh, Maybe that's not the right terminology, but at least had a week or two where there was no news. Uh, But now there appears to be more movement in the realignment direction. We knew that at some point more Movement would be necessary because of the four Pac-12 schools that are still remaining, but uh, we'll try and update you on that as that becomes available. Of course, as always, birthdays and sports nightly TV guide, and if you want to give us a call today on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 We've also got high school athletics coming up. As tonight, right after our show this evening, Brooks Childress, the host of the High School Coaches Show, which gets going tonight, 6 o'clock, from the End Zone Bar and Grill, just a few minutes away from the radio station here. Uh, Brooks Childress, Walter Northcutt will be out there interviewing some of the great high school coaches in the area, getting you set for the first full week of high school football, uh, which also leads us to tomorrow night right here on Tiger 95.9. The Beauregard High School Hornets uh, will be kicking off in the AHSAA kickoff classic from the Crampton Bowl that airtime pushed back an hour due to heat so 7.30 airtime 8 o'clock kickoff for that and then Friday night Smith Station taking on Pleasant Grove over on FM Talk 93.9 that will be a 7.30 or excuse me a 7 o'clock airtime with a 7.30 kickoff and right after that on FM Talk 93.9 the AHSAA Radio Network High School Scoreboard Show uh, so you can catch all the scores from the state so our high school programming kicks off tonight we're 
excited about that. Excited that football is near and here. And, of course, uh, we're your home for Smith Station, Borgard High School Athletics all season long. For the show today, though, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you. Cam, uh, hope you are doing well, sir. I know you're a bit, bit tired, obviously, but uh, glad you're here today. Yeah, doing great. A little bit fatigued. That was a, that was a lot of plugs to remember, yes. Ryan. And you, you <laughs> knocked them all out of the park, man. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I was I was listening, just hearing you ramble. Out. I was like, he's remembering everything. We got a lot of content. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of content for you guys. So uh, be sure to tune into all that. Um, but I I thought that was I was impressed by that, Ryan. That was dope. <laughs> um, but doing doing well. Um, you know, just uh, enjoying a Wednesday and yeah, a tad bit fatigued, but uh, you know, pushing through. Glad to be on the show today and um, talk you know a little bit of Auburn football officially have a QB1 I guess this is my first time on the show since Peyton Thorne has officially been named so um, you know he's who I figured was going to be the starter as he transferred in he's got the experience he's got the leadership Um, you know not to say that I didn't expect Robbie to put up a fight which is which he did Um, but I I figured the experience and poise that Thorne kind of held um, was something that would ultimately uh, win him the job, and and that is is what seems to uh, also have stood out with Hugh Freeze and the rest of the staff as well. So um, excited to see what he's going to be able to put out and what he's going to bring to this football team. Um, and yeah, so just ready to talk more about that. I saw the news with the college football expansion that we're going to touch on, um, as well as excited to talk about how the ACC and and how, what we're you know kind of expecting from the conference this year. So uh, that'll definitely be something. And um, yeah, Braves as well got a win last night. So glad glad they were able to get back, kind of avoid losing three in a row uh, after dropping the last game against the uh, Giants and then the first game against the Mets. Uh, the night before, and they were able to get a, a low scoring, a win in a low scoring game. Uh, Bryce Elder did very, very well, um, and uh, uh, Pierce Johnson he he gave up. Um, uh, Brandon Godden actually jinxed him, yeah. which was so funny because I was sitting there. I had just gotten home from the gym. I was sitting there. I was eating, and I was watching the game, and Godden goes, yeah, Johnson uh, hasn't hasn't given up a, a, a earned run since he's been to Atlanta. I literally said, well, that's a jinx, and the second later, Vogelback drops the two-run homer uh, again off of him, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I mean, what, what more yeah. can you <laughs> Broadcast crew was on yeah, top bro- of him for it. Yeah, yeah bro- bro- um, the the good old fashioned broadcast crew jinx. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But the Braves were able to get the win and uh, playing the Mets um, again tonight in the final game of the three game series. So hopefully they'll be able to take the series and continue to have their lead in the NL East. So um, yeah, doing really well and um, it's hump day. Yeah, it is. We're halfway to the weekend, which means we're halfway to this week of college football. Uh, and of course, next week we'll be doing some NFL previews on top of these college previews. So it's all right here for us. I uh, do want to mention the Braves a little bit later in the show, too, for the broadcast booth they're going to have tonight, which, of Ooh, course, uh, everyone's looking forward to. But uh, let's kick it off, as we often do, uh, with Auburn football. Uh, as you mentioned, Cam, you know, la- about this time last week was when Peyton Thorne was being named starting quarterback for Auburn, had another scrimmage on Saturday. We've been talking a lot about that uh, the first couple of days of the week here, but uh, always want to get everyone's opinion on it, so this being your first show of the week you know we heard mostly positive things but Hugh Freeze continued to mention a few negatives uh kind of the negatives of all right how is the front 
doing uh, right. defensively against the run? Uh, is there a little bit of an effort issue, or, or maybe it's just a fatigue issue as you get to later into these these hot days and, and hot practices and that sort of thing? Obviously, a lot of pauses too. I think we all saw the Shane Hooks catch that we've talked about on the Absolutely. show. Uh, but what were Hollywood? Your, yeah, what were your takeaways from that that scrimmage Saturday and just kind of the, the vibe that Hugh Freeze has been giving? Um, I, I think he's confident in his team. I, I do think that. Um, he's going to be able to coach this team and and um, maybe surprise some people, some some uh, some people that have counted Auburn out, kind of not expected Auburn to be that good. But uh, you know, Hugh Freeze in his first season, but he's kind of really revamped this team. Um, you know, I think Auburn's going to be able to surprise some people. I've seen kind of, I've seen reviews just all over the board with how people think Auburn's going to perform. Some people think Auburn's going to be awful. Others think Auburn could be pretty solid. Um, Others think, you know, solid and could surprise some people, pull off some big wins here and there. Not obviously like nobody's expecting them to be Georgia, but the Iron Bowl being played in Jordan-Hare, that's something that people are keeping an eye on based off of how Alabama is. Um, but you know, with the offense, I think he just is trying to get these wide receivers as involved as possible, um, and and kind of, kind of make Auburn a little bit more diverse. Auburn's always been known to have a dominant run game and be able to run the ball really well, but getting those wide receivers uh, involved as involved as possible is something that is not only going to help with continuing to keep the run game run game dominant but also help with recruiting these these top wide receivers that Auburn is trying to covet because you know you you can't say we're going to use you if there's no evidence that these guys are going to be used in the in a proper way so uh, I think the biggest thing is with you know these wide receivers I think uh, getting them involved getting them I mean you know seeing Shane Hooks um, who was a top one of the top receivers at Jackson State continue to translate over and and kind of separate himself now as potentially one of the top wide receivers uh, in in this wide receiver room here in Auburn. Um, I think that is is going to be big time. It's going to be able to kind of highlight him and then kind of show these other receivers, hey, you know these these guys. We if you come here, you're going to be able to be used. You're going to be able to show your talents and your skills, and uh, we're going to help you grow as a player and hopefully get you to the next level, which is obviously what most of most, if not all, of these guys aspire to get to. So uh, the wide receivers is something that I think he's got a lot of focus on and will continue to focus on. Yeah, and again, we've talked a lot about wide receivers uh, the last couple of weeks. I think it's just become more apparent on our radar as we've gone through fall practice that uh, there is a real chance this group is really solid. And last year was not a good group, even the year before that, struggling. And I think it speaks volumes that and, – and granted, I want to say that Coy Moore, Malcolm Johnson Jr., guys like that have sustained some injuries. Yeah. But I think it speaks volumes that – those guys are projected to be second, if not teetering on third uh, t- uh, groups out there amongst the wide receiver room. Uh, again, I go back to something last week when Hugh Freeze was asked to name eight, or just not it didn't give a number, just was asked to name wide receivers he felt confident in. He named eight of them, and the two most notable guys he did not name was Coy Moore and Malcolm Johnson Jr. And you've got this good mix of guys here because I was looking at this again. Um, 
you brought in so many transfers that you're trying to get to compete, and some of them are seniors. I mean, Nick Mardner is a senior. Right. Um, uh, looking at it, uh, Shane Hooks is a senior. Rivaldo Fairweather is a junior, but then Jair Shorter is a senior. So you got upperclassmen guys there, but then you also brought in Caleb Burton, who's very young, just a redshirt freshman. Uh, you're hoping that Camden Brown makes a, makes a jump, or at least I am. I'm still very yeah. optimistic about Camden I Brown I am as, well. uh, as a sophomore. So primarily of the new guys you're looking at seniors but then you're also in certain roles still looking at uh, a couple of guys that are underclassmen but you'd almost expect it to work out that way because I mean those right. guys at seniors this is kind of their last role of it last to try raw. to be relevant and look Jair Shorter was productive at uh, what was it North Texas before yes. he was here yeah. and uh, you know Nick Marner at Cincinnati and, and, and look some of these guys and obviously Shane Hooks even though it was at a lower level uh, did make sports center a couple times at Jack Jackson State. Uh, so they're coming from backgrounds where at least they did provide production at those places, um, not complete unknown unknown, unknown commodities. Uh, but I just think there's so many options here that it's never th- – this is not something I would do with quarterbacks. Like if you have four quarterbacks but you just like never seen them play before and you're like, well, well surely one of them is going to be good. I don't right. necessarily subscribe to that at the quarterback position, but the wide receiver position with the style of wide receiver you have, with varying levels, like I said, of production at former schools, uh, with guys that were highly recruited, that went to big schools like Caleb Burton. Like I just feel that between these seven, eight, nine guys, that a couple of them are going to end up being not only solid, quite good, um, and, and then you mix in with Peyton Thorne is going to be a better point blank. He's going to be a better pass than what Auburn had yep. uh, last ye- season. Then I think that you're going to have a very respectful passing game. You combine that with the fact that the running backs are good. We've talked a lot about that. The only thing you're qu- the only question in my mind. I guess there's one A and I guess there's two. The secondary question was just like which one of those wide receivers step up, but I still believe that a couple of them will. And it's looking like Shane Hooks, for example, would be one of them. The only real question is what do you got up front of the offensive yep, line offensive now? Line and is that going to be able to hold up? And there's so many new guys. And I talked about this with Xavier Miller being mentioned by Hugh Freeze as somebody like we just got to have in there. We're starting to move like Gunnar Britton around and moving other guys around and trying to accommodate Miller being in there and have a different line combo. So that tells me, okay, they feel like they have a dude. Yeah. They feel like they have a really good guy right there. And so I don't know if – you can really rely on the offensive line yet uh, because you're going to have to play big boys like A&M and Georgia before yeah. you really find that out. But even then, I'm, I'm trying not to sip too much Kool-Aid because I know fall practice, everyone loves everything that they see. But, right. again, I, I feel like I'm seeing what's going to end up being a pretty good offense this year. Yeah, for sure. And the offensive line, the biggest thing with them and on, and having them all together is is the those guys have to create chemistry with each other on that line to be able to communicate and really understand understand each other and and kind of see how each other move and that's how you create that's how you get a good offensive line when they move as one good unit put, put together not five individuals but one one line you you know that literally then you can 
from there you can go and, and everything else follows down. I mean, it starts in the trenches. If you have that offensive line that is at the very least solid and cohesive, then everything else will follow with it and you'll be able to have a good and productive offense. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the show this afternoon. When we come back, we'll get to birthdays and sports. We'll also go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. T.P. Hammock in his second week of employment is running the board taking your phone calls. You will hear him on this show tomorrow, uh, and uh, we will be previewing the Big Ten Conference tomorrow, which is a personal favorite of TP. So uh, I I did this strategically yeah. at the best of my abilities. Smart man. Uh, also, it kind of it's kind of it's not perfect because I think the Pac-12 is going to be the third best league this year, oh. but it's almost strength wise how it laid out too with Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, then Big Ten, SEC. Just just flip Pac-12 ahead. Uh, to today, and it would have been basically the strength rankings yeah. too. So, uh, anyway, uh, I like when things work out well, and it'll work out well for us today on the show if we get to today's birthdays and sports next. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Threw a little curveball, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, it happens from time to time. Birthdays and sports today. Taysom Hill turns 33, current player for the New Orleans Saints, born in Idaho. Hill attended BYU to play football, go Cougars. Hill battled injuries throughout his collegiate days, and he went undrafted in the 2017 NFL Draft. He originally signed with the Packers before signing with the New Orleans Saints. He has been used as a Swiss Army knife of sorts, playing multiple positions as well as quarterback. In 2020, he signed a four-year, $40 million extension, and he is one of my favorite players to watch get hit hard in the yes. NFL. Same. Yeah, yes, he as well. He's so annoying. Uh, Taysom Hill turns 33 today. He is very annoying. Yeah. Jeremy Lynn turns 35, former NBA player. Lynn is best known for his stint with the New York Knicks, where Lynn Sandy was born during the 2011-2012 season. For his NBA days, Lynn attended Harvard, go Crimson, where he played four years before going undrafted in 2010. Lynn was able to win an NBA championship in 2019 with the Raptors. Lynn now plays with the Kwashiung, 17 live Steelers in Taiwan. There's a very low chance I said that correctly. Also a very low chance Jeremy Lin's ever playing in the NBA again. He turns 35 today. Mike Yastrzemski turns 33, current outfielder for the San Francisco Giants. Played college ball at Vanderbilt. Go Doors, where he would have a successful collegiate career before being drafted in 2013 in the 14th round. 
Uh, he uh, took a couple of years, but he made his MLB debut in 2019 with the Giants. 2020 was named to the All-MLB second team, led the MLB in triples that season. That's a good ballpark to do that in. So far in his career, 84 home runs, 246 RBIs. The son of Carl Yastrzemski, whose birthday was yesterday, coincidentally. Mike Yastrzemski, is, or is he the son of Okay, is the son of Carl. Okay, I knew there was obviously a relation. You don't get many Yastrzemskis in yeah. the baseball universe very often, but uh, Mike Yastrzemski turns 33 today. Tyler Glasnow turns 30. Uh, also looks like Killian Murphy an uh, Oppenheimer. Just throwing that out there to everyone. <laughs> Current pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. He was committed to play for the University of Portland. Go Pilots before he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates where he would sign with them. He was traded to Tampa with Austin Meadows and Shane Boss for Chris Archer. It was a good trade for the Rays, I would say. So far in his career, 26-24 and 24 win the loss record. 626 strikeouts and a sub-4 ERA of 3.89. Not Robert Oppenheimer, uh, played by Kelly Murphy. Tyler Glass now turns 30 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Taysom Hill, 33. Jeremy Lin, 35. Mike Yastrzemski, 33. And Tyler Glass now is 30. Uh, there was a Tampa game the other night randomly where they were losing to the Rockies. I had just made the spiel about, hey, Tampa's still in the AL East. This is... This is watch out for this Baltimore's yeah. not a foregone conclusion there. And then Tampa was losing at home to Colorado. I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And then Tampa <laughs> scored nine in the eighth ah. uh, to win uh, decisively. And I was like, okay, see, told you. I was right. Still, still hanging in there. Uh, and by the way, Toronto's not out of that in the AL East, too. That's a fun race to, to monitor. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line this afternoon. We go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Ward Dan. I'm Steve. Retired Ward M. Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Just doing marvelous. And I'd say uh, we're in a good spot, right, guys? Cam and uh, Ryan, uh, the, the chaos, uh, I think more chaos uh, that the opponents you know, don't, can't figure out what we're going to do or not going to do, the better for us, right? Yes, yeah. it is better yeah. for us. Not yeah. as predictable of an offense. Is that what you're saying, Steve? And I'd say it's even better uh, for, for uh uh, the, the betters with Vegas inside because they don't know what the crap we're going to do either. They have a six and a half. Yeah, I, I mean a lot. Again, I told you it, it's that's very right in the middle. So that's a good, that's kind of right there for Vegas to have it um, kind of perfectly because again, I've seen it just where it's all over the place that nobody really knows what to expect from Auburn this year. Some people are saying that they're going to be bad. Some people are saying that Auburn could be a pretty decent team, eight win, maybe maybe nine win team, and then you know it, it just. It's a very, uh, very mixed bag. Well, uh, you can write this down. We'll go no worse than seven wins, and I'm thinking we could be maybe eight and maybe, maybe, maybe nine. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that uh, there's a lot of there's oh there's always <laughs> a lot. I don't want to have the cop out answer. Um, I'm thinking around seven and five. So yeah, I think the ceiling. Could be up to nine wins. It's obviously not the most likely outcome. Yeah, I think if everything uh, is perfect, it's right. nine wins. Um, because, again, they, they are coming from a place where, obviously, they needed to have many upgrades, which we feel they have in a lot of spots. But also, we've been focused on Auburn, and other teams have gotten better in various ways, too. Uh, so, look, I, again, there's some very tough games. Uh, I think that that six-and-a-half mark, as you mentioned, 
I mean, it speaks to a lot of people nationally. I know around here, everybody's going to take the over on that. I've seen beat writers, not beat writers, I've seen national writers go as low as five and seven, which, of course, I don't agree with. Uh, but that, again, shows you the, the range of outcomes that, that's anticipated. Uh, and, and so that's why that six and a half number seems pretty good to me. Now, I've seen some predictions say we'll go six and six. Who would the six losses be to, guys? Yeah, under that scenario, obviously Alabama, Georgia, LSU, I think you would say at Texas A&M. I think you'd say host Ole Miss, and I think you would say at Arkansas. I think those would be the six. Which, again, I mean, like, like that's that's obviously a it's disappointing not, outcome for Auburn, but it's also, not, like, not – impossible at Not all I mean, like the realm of possible auburn was picked sixth in the sec west so you would figure under that circumstance it wouldn't be shocking to go to lose at arkansas and and ole miss while it is at home ole miss is supposed to be around an eight or nine win team this year so again you can figure out how that would happen too obviously we know college sports we know upsets happen and that sort of thing but again that's i, I the fact that i could rattle them off that quickly shows you that it is at least possible and if it were to be just six and six, you know, then I'd hope to see, you know, that the games, you know, were, you know, not uh, determined to the very maybe last snap or to the right. um, the, to, to the fourth quarter. It was competitive. Right. So like, you know, Dye's first uh, team he coached, you know, they only won five games, but they were so competitive that people knew uh, this is the start of something, you know, different. Right, and I and I think between the recruiting and just the fact that six and six, by the way, is still clearly better than last year's team. I know that last year's team went five and seven, but so it's not like a, a vast difference in the win loss. But again, let's talk about how that season transpired, and that with Brian Harson, that they were not playing very well in many of the games at all. Uh, could have easily lost to Missouri. I'll, I'll go as far as they should have lost Missouri. Should not have beaten Missouri last year, even on Auburn's home field. Nope. Uh, and then obviously the Texas A&M game being the, uh, the final conference win, I guess the fourth win because they had a win uh, in the week before Bama's game right after that. But uh, you know, 13-10 is not some decisive victory in that one either. So uh, like that was an eking out five wins rather than a yeah five-win team that was just snake bit all year. They, they deserved to not go to a bowl game last year. So uh, like you said, I, if they do go six and six, and again, my prediction is more along the lines of seven and five. I'll, I'll, I'll be coy and finalize it in, uh, next week. But if they did go six and six, then I do think that there would be at least two or three of the losses would be one possession games uh, because I don't think Ole Miss will blow out Auburn, period. I, I, I think Ole Miss can win that game, but I think that we've seen three years against Lane Kiffin, and whether it was Gus Malzahn's first year or whether uh, it was two years of Brian Harson, Ole Miss was never able to overwhelm Auburn, even even with 400 rushing yards last year, that game was one of the more competitive Harson games against a decent team last year. Uh, and, and then someone like Arkansas, yeah, I think at Arkansas it's going to be a, a difficult game, a 50-50 game. So I do not think Arkansas would go in there and just house Auburn. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that there would be multiple close games there. And then obviously we know about home Iron Bowls. And if Auburn is even slightly competent, home Iron Bowls are close games. They don't always come out in Auburn's favor. Sir. But that's why people get tempted to pick it because you just know if Auburn's got any competency level, it does not matter how good Alabama is. That game will end up close. Well, speaking of blowout, guys, if there were to be a blowout loss this season, uh, would it be at home, on the road, and who would that blowout loss be to? I would. I think. I think the two obvious are Georgia or LSU, and obviously Georgia's at home, LSU's on the road. 
I think that for LSU to be a blowout, LSU needs to go beat Florida State week one and prove that they are going to be a top five team this year. Otherwise, I would say, well, you know, maybe you could score a few points. Uh, the Georgia game, look, if it was in Athens, I would almost assure you Auburn gets beat pretty easily. I just think at home, Obviously, this crowd means so much. I think there's going to be a period of time where Georgia struggles in that game. It will not last all game. But is it a whole half? Can Auburn be down 10 to 7 at half? You know, and then therefore that wouldn't end up being blowout, maybe be 24 to 10 or 27 10. You know, that's that's getting up there, but I still don't consider that a blowout if it's close most of the game. So, like, I think that Auburn can keep Georgia off the scoreboard a fair amount, but can Auburn score enough in that game to make it close? That, that That's something that we're not going to know till we get there. So, I think. LSU might have a slightly bigger chance of being blown out. But again, the variables there are, is LSU for real? And then also from Georgia's perspective, how's Carson Beck? Yeah. Because if Carson, Carson Beck's Beck. average, that's where I say Georgia will win, but I don't know if they can just score at will, score at will at, with, with Auburn's crowd the way that it is. However, if Carson Beck's really good, well, then that game will travel. They, they have good receivers, good physicality, obviously great physicality, and they'll wear on Auburn after time well and uh you know you're probably correct on that um but like tom says anything's uh, absolutely anything can happen so uh, guys i heard your comments uh, especially yours uh, ryan about uh you know what your i guess concerns or trepidations are about our team and i agree with you it's a defensive line um but that's from scrimmage and some of the comments i've read from uh people who are there uh, at the game uh you know, hopefully they can get some of this uh, corrected. Uh, we'll soon find out. But what explains why there's such a, I guess, a uh, anxiety-ridden uh, comments about our defensive line? Is it the talent? Is it uh, the, the the coaching staff being mute uh, with, with the, the people? What is it, guys? I think it's all of it because Auburn was was again we focused last year yeah. on Brian Harson's dismissal. We focused Very on true. the offense and how we were playing a quarterback, which even though he was fun to watch on the ground, was a fifty percent passer, which is incredibly low. And we were so focused on the offensive side of the ball that we didn't think about the fact that they were towards the bottom <laughs> of the FBS yeah, in in rush uh, in yards per rush. Allowed. And you were right, Ryan. Was that was it? Four hundred forty-eight yards, something like that against Ole Miss. Miss? Yes. yes, I mean that. Yes, like I forgot it was that bad. Yeah, and, and look, Ole Miss can run, but no one should be running four hundred fifty yards uh, in a conference crazy. game. No one. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that we are now going back and reviewing last year a little more closely on the defensive side of the ball and realize they weren't actually any good uh, stopping the run. And then what made them acceptable overall in the front seven? Derek Hall, Owen Papo, Colby Wooden, Aku Leota. They're all gone. Like the very best players of a, of a unit that was already below your typical standard for Auburn are all gone. And so you're just having to replace so much. And look, they have gotten numerous guys. Again, they uh, numerically speaking, brought in a lot of guys. They really like Steven Sings. They really like uh, Jalen McLeod at App State. Uh, there's some other guys uh, that they really like. Larry Nixon, the linebacker, they like. But still, to think that you can, with a new staff, with new players that are going in not as heralded as even the ones you had before, and make some sort of big improvement 
is far-fetched. Can they make small improvements? Sure, because 104, 102, whatever it was against the Rush last year, like, I mean, you don't even have to be good to be better. You just, if you're just average, you're 30 spots better. And so they can pull that off. But is it going to be become a, a strength of the team? Absolutely not. I would be shocked if they're, if they're awesome up front. And then is there a possibility that they're still just flat-out bad? Oh, yeah. I mean, because, again, they were flat-out bad against the Rush last year with no proof that they're going to be even necessarily uh, any better or even as good as a pass rushing unit because again last year you're losing all your top sack guys there's not incredibly high goals to obtain there it's not like their call was a 13 sack guy or they had three guys that were getting six sacks each so it is again it's still something you can duplicate and exceed but again you're still replacing guys that we're still pretty respected. I mean, Derek Hall went, what, second or third yeah. round in the NFL yeah. draft. Uh, other guys got opportunities. Owen Papo got drafted, and other guys got undrafted deals. So, like, you're still not replacing nothing guys. You're replacing some actual guys there. So, again, I know that's a long spiel, but I think that's why there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that's the unit that's, that's going to be behind all the other units, and it just probably does not have a high ceiling this year. Okay, so what are you really saying here? Um, I'm, I'm just trying to be humorous there. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm saying Ole Miss is going to run for a lot of yards against Auburn again this year, okay. probably. I hope to God I don't see anybody running uh, 400 yards. Yeah, maybe not that many, but yeah, there'll be there'll be some there might be some tough ones. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, I please educate me because I don't follow baseball that much, uh, and I saw this clip. I said, well. Why are they doing this? And it was uh, a game uh, with uh, the Mets, and Elder was pitching. It was the top of the fourth inning, and the crowd goes crazy and starts cheering because Elder uh, uh, hits uh, in the back uh, Pete Alonzo. Yeah. What's the deal about it? What's with Pete Alonzo? Why were they cheering that he got hit? He's public enemy number one on yeah, the Mets. Uh, you know, he it, it really stems from uh, a few, maybe a month or two now. Uh, of him hitting a home run against Atlanta, and you can hear him from the dugout yelling, throw it again, throw it again, like egging on the pitcher, like throw that to me again, throw me that meatball again. And the Braves end up coming back. That's actually the 13-10 the yep. night. The Braves hit all those home runs and had the great broadcast team. Uh, Braves end up coming back and winning, and so they started mocking Pete Alonso and, and just kind of took it upon themselves to to make that public enemy number one on the on the Mets. Okay, so I didn't know it. Now I do. Uh, surely Elder wasn't intentionally doing this. Right? No, no, that no, was not intentional. No, promise it wasn't. Yeah. Or else there'd been a there'd been a brawl, right? Yeah, yeah. And Alonzo took it. I mean, he, you know, Darno said something to Alonzo. Alonzo just uh, patted Darno in the back and, and went on to first. There was no ill will between the players. It was just the fans getting a, a kick out of it. Okay. All right. Uh, speaking with the Braves guys, didn't know they were this close to doing this. Um, with a home run, apparently it was last night. Yeah, he went out of the park anyway. They now have established, according uh, to Breach Report, a new Major League Baseball record for most team home runs through the first 119 games of the season, and that's 231 home runs. You guys happen to know that, though. Yeah, I thought they had accomplished that the uh, the other day. I mean, I guess I guess it continues on with each and every game. I mean, there's technically a new record that you can right. set, a new uh, pace the, or something like that. But the Braves have played 125 games now, so they got 37 okay, to go. So, yep. I'm, I'm, so that's a few uh, days ago. Old article, okay, old news. Well, apparently they're close to bringing the all-time season 
single season home run record as yeah. a team. Yes. Uh, the Twins hold that record is yes. 307. In 2019, so how, yep. How likely is it for them to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think they've got a respectable chance. I think it'll come down the wire. They're yeah, not going to blow it out of the water. Uh, it's going to be they're going to hit two-ish three. They're going to hit. They're going to beat it. Yeah, by. they're going to hit between three hundred and three fifteen this year. So I mean, it, it's going to be within five to ten either way. Um, and you know, it just depends. You know, they're going through a little bit of. I don't want to say an offensive dry spill because that would be incredibly spoiled to say that. But I'll give you an example. The last, uh, let's see, like seven or eight games here. I want to get uh, factually correct. Last six games, they've not had a game. They've only had one game where they scored five runs or more. Right. In the stretch before that, they had gone um, eight consecutive, nine consecutive, ten consecutive games where they scored five runs or more. So, again, ten games in a row, they had five runs or more. And then in the last six, they've only done it once. So, again, I don't want to sound spoiled, okay, but I'm just saying they need – a pace more similar to scoring five, six, seven runs every night to be able to hit the home runs because they still got to hit more than one home run a game. So yep. they, they need to be scoring uh, several runs a night and hitting about a home run and a half to two homers a night. So they need to average uh, for the remaining season games, which is how many, I don't know, about two run, two home runs a, yeah. a game? Yes. Yeah, they need to be hitting two every night, which they did last which is, night. Yeah, they hit say, two last really night. It's really possible. But, so possible, okay. but uh, it's again, it'll be too close to call. All right. Same with... Uh, uh, baseball guys, uh, a uh, unfortunate event occurred on this date uh, in 1989 in Major League Baseball. I say it's unfortunate, um, it's unfortunate that he did this. Uh, what do you think happened? 1989. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm, me either. Well, Mr. Uh, P. Rose got booted. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Got banned. Yeah, he got banned. Uh, lifetime banned. Uh, yeah. He kept denying it until. Uh, a uh, interview that he had back in uh, what was it in 2004, he finally admitted that you know, he had confessed to gambling uh, on the Reds. Right. So that was out on this date. Uh, now, also on this date, guys, not actually baseball related, but if this hadn't happened on this date, and uh, I'll tell you the actual uh, date of this, if this hadn't happened, guys, uh, we probably wouldn't have yours or any other people doing what they do online. Um, it happened in 1991. What do you think happened? Without this, probably uh, social media and everything else would be non-existent. Uh, 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 something created or invented. Uh, I don't know. I don't the know. Internet? Very good. The World okay. Wide Web yeah. became public in 1991. Nice. Sounds about right. World Wide Web. All right. Real quickly, guys, moving on with Auburn football. Uh, you know we're going to be honoring at different games this season, uh, different uh, football yep. uh, teams. 83 team, the 93, 93 team, and 13. And 213. Yep. And I just saw when they will be honored. The 83 team will be honored, uh, honored uh, against Georgia. Yep. 93 team will be honored against the Ole Miss game. The mm-hmm. 2013 team, thankfully, will be on the 10th anniversary of the Kicksters game. Uh, the Iron Bowl. Makes sense. That'll be a fun one. Yep. That ought to be a, uh, a fun one, uh, to say the least. All right. Now, real quickly, guys, uh, stay with baseball. On this date, in 1947, according to History Channel, what was the very first thing that was played ever? It's a championship game. On what, it what year? Baseball. What year? In 1947. It involves baseball. 
A World Baseball Classic? Nah, that's too too old. Or yeah, too long ago. Uh, a World? No, nah, not a World Series. Uh, I don't know. You're warm. A a uh, All Star Game? No. Little League Little League World Series. Little League World Series. Okay. Ah. Wow. I didn't know that's been yeah. going on for and that long. And it was roughly around uh, in front of 2,500 uh, people. Uh, and it was at uh, where it always held in Williamsport, Virginia. And the team that won was called what? Lockhaven. They won 67. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea on that. Yeah. So I thought, well, okay, that happened that day. Now, by the way, uh, it took 15 years later before they finally expanded the Little League World Series to feature other teams, because this was all USA team. Right. And the first non-U.S. team to win the Little League World Series was who? It happened in 1957. Japan? I don't know. Taiwan? You would have thought Japan. Mexico. Ah, Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I know you guys enjoy this trivia. Okay, moving on, guys. Yeah, last thing for us today, Steve. We've got to let you go. Okay. Uh, how about this? Uh, this was uh, incredible. I saw this happening, but uh, apparently uh, the uh, golfers, uh, the Masters uh, guy, the, the one I forgot his name, he uh, has been getting all kind of heckling uh, along with somebody else named Ham, I think. Anyway, at some uh, recent uh, golf tournaments by betters who have been yelling out, you know, uh, you know, you're going to blow it, you know, or you're going to, you know, uh, you're going to hack it, you know. Do you know those guys that fans were were heckling and harassing uh, some of these golfers? Uh, no, not really, because I mean you're not really supposed to. Obviously, not supposed to be making too much noise, especially when they're uh, actually playing. But uh, no, I, I I didn't know that. Yeah, one of them, uh, I got his name. There. Anyway, they showed a clip of it, and after he made the putt, somebody was heckling him, saying he couldn't do it. Uh, he goes and takes um, um, the uh, um, the golf ball. That he made the putt with, and he looks around and does something to one of the, the people that were harassing him. He goes up to the fans that were watching. He throws up to a little girl who caught it. So I thought, wow. Uh, but people apparently are betting uh, on the field uh, with each other who's gonna, you know, make a bad putt, you know. Or so I said, are people really doing this kind of stuff and they're yelling out at the players? Yeah, no. I mean, again, they they should definitely shouldn't be as they're about to hit shots. I mean, I can't, I don't know what goes on when they're walking to their next shot, but the, certainly not when they're getting ready for play. Hi guys, uh, that's all I've got. So uh, thank you for letting me ramble. Oh, and uh, the uh, movie. Yeah. Last. Uh, Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really worth seeing. I give it about a seven. I saw it on Monday night, actually, Steve. I I gave oh, it an did. eight. Yeah, I liked it. You gave it an eight. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a movie that uh, is it, you lose the, all the, the special effects you see on, on TV screen. Uh, movie screen is much better. Absolutely. And just real, real finally, guys, uh, I just saw this, but uh, Sunday is called National Cinema Day. So if you want to go see a movie you've been waiting for, see it Sunday, AMC theaters, other theaters, you get in for $4, any movie you want to watch. Yep, I saw that too. Yeah, I highly recommend. Too, okay? And if you really want to go crazy, uh, for $5 more, you can get a small drink, a small box of popcorn for five bucks. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so thank you guys. Have a safe afternoon, and uh, we'll try to do this again tomorrow. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that is retired Ward AMC. War Eagle. 
on the Auburn Bank phone line. Just a couple minutes left in the hour. We'll keep it right here, and uh, we'll just have a, a longer break uh, to end the hour, have all those uh, commercials for you towards the end. But, uh, yeah, appreciate Steve for um, chatting with us today. Again, uh, I will echo on the on the non-sports side of things. I would echo the movie sentiment. I'm an AMC A-list. Uh, I'm going to sound like so ritzy here. I'm an AMC A-list member. Um, so really, I don't. said you're going to sound ritzy. You're really uh, just a movie buff. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I'm saying what, when you get the A-list, you know, and you, <laughs> yeah. you have special privileges. Special privileges. Um, so the $4 thing doesn't affect me because you get with A-list, you get three free movies a week. Oh, that's dope. Um, so How much do you pay for that? It is twenty two a month, twenty three a month. So basically, you need to go see two mo- yeah. two movies a month. If you see here, here is an ad for someone doesn't pay me uh, and pay us. If you do two AMC trips a, uh, a week, or excuse me, a month, then it's worth it it's because you also yeah. earn points quicker that way. Uh, you get free size upgrades on popcorn and drink, so a medium becomes a large, but you still pay for a medium. Okay. Um, and then you get your birthday gifts a little better, like instead of like just free drink or free popcorn, you get free large drink and popcorn on your birthday. Oh, and again, you earn points quicker. Uh, like I end up, because it's 5,000 points is a $5 reward, and so it's like, I think it's a, a dollar... Uh, is a is a hundred yeah. points okay so basically if you spend fifty dollars you get a five dollar reward on that right. tier so you go to the theater three or four times and then you've even with the free movie you go to the theater three or four times and you've earned a five dollar reward i've got i've got two five dollar rewards caked up just from the summer Worth it. so i again it, if you if you like movies enough to go about twice a month 100 percent worth it highly recommend if not as Steve said, take advantage of National Cinema Day on Sunday and go for $4. Highly recommend that, too. Um, but uh, on the sports side of things, the things that he was bringing up, you know, again, and you brought this up, Cam, to start the show, the the probabilities of where Auburn finishes, six wins, seven wins, eight wins, et cetera. Um, again, it's – Auburn has done such a good job of being in this conversation because – it, let me let me put it to you this way: If you took this roster and you still had Brian Harson, you Auburn would be four and eight or four. five and seven yep, this year, easily, right? For I mean, sure. th- you would be contemplating the Vanderbilt game, and, and you no would doubt. be Vandy, Vandy and Cal would be your two quote fifty fifty games. I know that sounds ridiculous for Auburn University, and guess what? It is. But if Brian Harson was here, that's what you would be contemplating, and so that's where the six and six comes from. Is like. There was a world not too far ago where you would have absolutely seen this. And I think that you got to give credit to Hugh Freeze for bringing in the array of players he has. And we talked about the Peyton Thorn bit just, just for the summer. That was probably worth a win. That's why some people feel it has gone from, well, I kind of think they're going to win seven, or they're at least winning six, maybe seven, so they're at least winning seven, now winning eight. Uh, and, and Thorn has made that uh made that yeah, much more likely. jump for yeah. you um i i again i'm not going to give you the official prediction seven to me feels right because we always think about oh well games that you're 60 40 in or 40 60 in and this ain't played on paper um you know you you end up having upsets all the time right auburn could do something 
great and beat A&M, even if A&M is competent this year, go beat them on the road and then lose at Arkansas. And it's right. like at face value, you would have probably liked to, you know, to, to beat – or you probably would have thought Arkansas would be more likely than A&M just based off talent, but A&M has their issues and that sort of thing. So, I mean – Outside se- factors, man. Is seven the most likely to you? I am leaning eight. I'm leaning eight. Um, I, I think that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. Um, I, I think Auburn has a pretty good chance. I, I again, I will. I'm just not high on Texas A&M. I'm not very high on Jimbo Fisher as a whole. So that's just kind of where I sit. Um, I, I think that you know that could very much be a win. And I, and you know, I, I mean, I could talk myself into other things as well. You know, I, I think. You know, Auburn could beat Ole Miss because it's just, just for the fact that it's in Auburn. You know, I, I think that could very much be a win. Um, and then, you know, going to Arkansas, I think that could be a win. It's just there are some games where I think it's truly a toss-up and that could be the difference. I think Texas A&M is a toss-up. I think Arkansas is a toss-up, and I think I think um, Ole Miss is a toss-up. Um, and so those those games could go either way, and with that, I I'm very cautiously optimistic yeah, sure. that Auburn could win those games. I I think just I think Auburn could pull those those games out. So I'm I'm leaning eight. Um, I, and I think that's where I'm gonna sit at again. I'm not ready to give an official, but. I think I think eight is the right number. For sure, me. I just always I always want to keep side of all perspectives right, because for sure. I, I we've had these conversations in the NFL sometimes when, when <laughs> yeah. we're struggling teams. We're like, well, we can beat this team, right. but then what does the <laughs> other team think about us? And so it's like we're doing this exercise of teams that Auburn should beat versus could beat versus would have a hard time but family could. Right, and then you go to sports call Fayetteville, and it's just like. Well, Arkansas beat Auburn, you know. Our, you know, if your sports call college stations like A and M needs to beat Auburn. A right. and M can't. If A and M wants to have a year worthy of millions of dollars of paying Jimbo Fisher, they can't lose to Auburn at home. No, can't. can't. No, can't do it. Can't lose back, uh, back years to Auburn. Right. So, uh, like, our perspective is one thing, but also other schools are thinking, man, we can take take advantage of Auburn, sure. and you got to discern which one's less delusional and 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 find the aspects of the team that are going to win out in the end and i think the good news is is like look i'm not trying to make expectations too low here because auburn should expect at some point to be back in a title game to be back uh in the playoffs especially when it goes 12 teams i guess i get in the playoffs for the first time but be in that conversation but right now you're in true rebuild mode this is not a reload any longer it is a rebuild when they fired gus malzahn they were trying to revitalize reload just reimagine what the program was it was not broken when malzahn left there were a thing or two that people did not like about it did not mean it was broken it was broken once brian harson left it that's why we had a religious experience over a three-win yeah, team beating Texas A&M with Cadillac Williams at helm. 
So this is a rebuild. Rebuilds take a couple of years, even in this ever-changing environment. So again, if it ends up being six or seven wins this year, I don't think it's an abject failure just because some people have started to believe that eight and nine is entirely possible. We are out of time for hour number one. When we come back in hour number two, we'll have more on Auburn football, some X factors to look out for in 2023. Also, a word or two about conference realignment. And a little bit later, we'll be previewing the Atlantic Coast Conference. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon, starting the 4 o'clock hour. Of course, we appreciate T.P. Hammock for running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Apparently, in the last couple of days, and I missed it, I know it was at one of our 5 at 5s. I thought it was coming out on a Friday. I just assume everything comes out towards the weekend. But I was wrong. Apparently, Swamp Kings came out a couple yeah, days ago. Yeah, came and, out. Yesterday, I and think. It came out yesterday. The day before. Yesterday, the day before. Apparently, everyone is not a fan uh, that it is a PR trip for yeah. Urban Meyer. It's also what I've seen. Um, that's a little disappointing, I must I must say. Uh, I, now, look, I, I, I liked Florida football during that time period. It was uh, some of the first, like, non uh, – some of the non-Auburn SEC teams that I remember really well, 06, 07, 08 – uh, those Florida teams, Chris Leak and then Tebow. And I wanted the dirt. I think we all wanted the dirt, right? Yeah. Why why hype up the this documentary and, and kind of market it in a way where you think that you're going to get an inside story of the bad stuff when in reality it was actually the goal, from what I understand, Swamp King saying, hey, this is just how much these guys ruled the swamp. Yeah. And it wasn't about the negative stuff. It was just about, oh, yeah, they were busting tail at midnight workouts and Urban Meyer treating his players one way and we were winning to get games. Everything. And, you know, I, we were supposed to get, you know, 
Well, well, you have a list right there of some things they left off. Um, What did they leave off? So, uh, left off any mention of Aaron Hernandez besides Tim Tebow taking the blame for their 07 bar fight. Anything about the Pouncey twins, Uh Cam Newton's stolen laptop, Percy Harvin attacking the wide receiver coach, Carlos Dunlap getting arrested before the 2009 SEC championship game, Whoops. Shelly Meyer's 911 call, and Urban Meyer going to the hospital uh, with chest pains. The entire 2010 season, including Urban Meyer versus um, Jeremy Fowler, reporter for ESPN, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, no, he's a uh, NFL con- reporter. Right. Yeah. Got confrontation at practice and uh, Chris Rainey threatening to kill his girlfriend. So none of that was mentioned. None of the, the you know, all of it felt like it deserved to mention. And, and I'll all tell you the what. stuff that really could have been mentioned because I haven't watched it yet. But for this to be four episodes, and yeah. I watched the I watched the Johnny Manziel one, right. and that was phenomenal. I felt like it was a really good, doc, uh-huh. you know. But I felt like that could have been longer and explained sure. a lot more. And this just felt, you know, people are saying this is just like a four four episode PR call for for. Uh, Do you Mar- think or- that they're doing it because if they actually revealed all that stuff, they'd get four to get in trouble with the NCAA? Well. <sighs> I mean, I guess, but I mean, I guess, but also Texas A and M could have gotten in trouble for this stuff with Johnny Manziel, right? right? Yes, yeah. no, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Um, you know, because he was kind of going out on his own, and, and they didn't necessarily know everything that he was doing. You know, he was flying to Vegas at you know, yeah. at odd hours and doing whatever, partying in the off season, all that stuff. They're not, you know, they are responsible, but not fully responsible like that for him, but. You know, some of this stuff that I guess the Gators had going on was more coaches involved and things like, like urban that. Looking yeah, like urban looking like urban looking like a J.A. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, from what I've heard, he is. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> so no, why not, is. you know, be 100% accurate in what the representation is of the kind of person yeah. that he is and all of that. And, you know, you don't nec- it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a smear campaign, but... No, I just want both yeah, sides. Yeah, I want to see all of it. I want to know when, uh, 100% of the facts of everything that goes on. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be the best way to tell a story through that of of everything that transpired during that so right. i i i am disappointed of everything that i've heard i probably still will watch it just as you know for my own opinion um but you know for the, all of that stuff to be omitted that's disappointing you know i'm i'm like man i want to hear about you know how they reacted to when aaron hernandez got into some of the trouble that he got into at florida all the stuff that yeah if there you know, were signs that right, uh, you yeah. know the the things that with Cam Newton and the Pouncey twins and uh, and Percy, all of that stuff. I want to see it, all of that stuff. I, I know the stolen laptop was pretty bad, but it's also like with all the things going on at Florida. Was there any anything else going on with Cam? Right. That's like made you be like, all right, that's yeah, absolutely dismissed. it. Yeah, because obviously they were taking some liberties with some people. Uh, and, and look, like I, I probably am in a minority opinion on Urban Meyer. I think he is probably not a good human being. Yeah. I also don't tend to care because I follow the sport of football and he's good at that. Exactly. And whatever his methods questionable or or maybe more reasonable or maybe just flat out awful, I don't know. He coached football incredibly well at the college level. He did. Uh, he did at Utah, he did it at Florida, and he did at Ohio State. So – uh, now in the NFL, that's one thing that doesn't translate, yeah, and he was not good at all. No, it was right? Not. Didn't understand it, and some don't. Um, but 
I, I so what I'm saying is I'm not asking for you to all to, to get every single dirty thing on Urban Meyer just to crap on Urban yeah, Meyer. Yeah, I'm just have to be a smear right. Campaign. I just want to see like how bad was it really. Let me see the player side of it. Let me see the questionable things he did, and then let me see Urban Meyer explain it. Like I, I that's called a due process. I mean, we're not trying to put the guy in court. I'm not, yeah, you know, that sounds like court, but no, but like, I get you. But you know, I mean, if you're going to do something with that much potential, do it right. Yeah, exactly. Do um, it right. It certainly it had the potential to be a, an all time great sports documentary, and it, it's going to flop it's, because yeah, it doesn't it seems like doesn't give you flop. everything. That's so disappointing. It is. Man. I was thinking about that too, and I wanted to to kind of mention that as well. So, but yeah, man, I I am I am going to watch it, but I now do not have as near as high expectations yeah. as I had before because, like you said, I mean, it just kind of seems like it's Urban Meyer redemption campaign. And Tebow's still a golden boy. Yeah, <laughs> Which, and Tebow probably was. But Tebow like, probably you know, was. What? That's fine. We knew that. There, there, there but was. We wanted the, to know everything else that was going behind Tebow being a golden boy. There was. Gosh. The, there was a story. Uh, there was a story of uh, apparently some of his teammates would would try and uh, show <laughs> pictures of naked women yeah, to Tebow because yeah. he was a virgin and. Uh, <laughs> trying to abstain and I saw that yeah, trying to oh, lead him man. to temptation. Oh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I read no, that and I laughed. <laughs> uh, our uh, our guy TP just uh, informed me again that the Bishop Sycamore releases tonight. Okay. The BS High. Okay. On uh, on Max. Hopefully that one will be which a good I don't one. get. Uh, I, it's so I definitely won't see that one. Wait, I'm, what? It's on not Max. on Netflix. Max. What? Max. I know, but it's he's very confident on Max. <laughs> What I formerly HBO Max. I don't know right. what you want me to no, do. No, no, I'm keep confused. Saying I thought it was M-A-X. on Netflix. No, I, I just I, thought it would be coming out on Netflix. I'll I, double check because you know all of this stuff is on Netflix. You know most I, of the stuff. Most of them, I guess. I I don't know. That's confusing. I figured they'd you know put them all on one platform. I, uh, BSI is being marketed by HBO. Which has got Max. I'm confused. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry right. about it. Uh, no, again, no. Yeah. I, I wasn't confused by Max. Yeah. I was confused as to why they're putting it on different platforms. That's all. Yeah. Um, it, it, two different platforms. Maybe that's maybe maybe it's a good thing though. Maybe yeah. that will actually be done. Right. I don't I, I don't want to say the others are disingenuous, but to a degree they are. So yeah. maybe this will be done more in right. its entirety. Now, granted, this story inherently is negative. I don't yeah. know how the I don't know what the positive angle would be is. Other than <laughs> yeah. just like, no, ah, they know. tricked ESPN. Ha right, ha. Right. You know, I, but um, we watched um, the uh, my friends and I watched the steroid one um, on Monday. That was uh-huh. a pretty good one. The it was like Hall, it's called Hall of Shame. Yeah, and it's on Netflix. That was a pretty good one. I okay. had no idea about all how really like crazy it was yeah. i had no Half idea the league's doing yeah it. i i had no i i you know but i didn't know that this was be it was being driven by you know by this company balco mm-hmm. i didn't know uh-huh. that I, you know i i was pretty i was pretty young obviously when yeah. all this you know happened and really came out i wasn't fully understanding you know i knew barry bonds got in trouble for steroids <laughs> it's like right. that's like pretty much the basis of what i know mark mcguire right on the mark stand, mcguire or rafael parmelo on the stand lying to congress right yeah, you know all, like that. all those guys and and um you know the and so i i didn't fully grasp everything that was going so watching that i was i was like man 
this was a whole thing for real, like a real true conspiracy between all sports. And I mean, I'm wow, you know, between track and field and, you know, seeing, uh, you know, Tim Montgomery and and all the stuff that he was, you know, I mean, just some wild, wild stuff, man. I was, I was, (laughs) I was in awe and, but it was very educating. That's for sure. And, uh, that was an untold story. That that was a very good one. I thought that one was well done. There's, uh, apparently going to be some sort of series on Jerry Jones, but it's done by Netflix. Oh yeah. It's going to be a documentary series. So that's going to be like, that's going to be a a mouthpiece for Jerry is what that's going to end up being. It's like, well, as owner, general manager, and CEO of the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. yes, we have not won a Super Bowl in so long, <laughs> but it's not my fault. But it's not my fault. Um, it's this guy's it, fault and yeah, that guy's And fault here's why it's not my fault. That's all that's going to be. Um, so that's a little disappointing that Netflix maybe is not showing the teeth that they could. I don't watch a lot of sports documentaries, um, Yeah, I, I, I will admit. I don't tend to. Um, I'm trying to think if I've even seen one since the last dance i'm trying i'm trying to think if i have you watched that, that steph one right that counts yeah that's true that counts just watch that good short-term memory loss ryan that was two <laughs> weeks ago uh get a grip son other than that get a grips i don't know out of that not many i certainly okay here's why i'm thinking about that that was like one hour and 20 minute like almost in movie form and sometimes a lot of documentaries like this go on multiple episodes right. even swamp kings multiple episodes like four episodes yeah uh so maybe i'm just compartmentalizing it that way last dance was awesome um, did you so, watch the manti teo documentary nope i haven't watched that either nope i, I heard it was good though uh, sure. I didn't watch it. Uh, unfortunate events there. Yeah. Uh, with Manti. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, on the same timeline with the Johnny Manziel stuff. So I, I'm now interested in watching it because, you know, that was like kind of first when social media was truly uh-huh. blowing up and all that stuff. And yeah. You should watch the Johnny Manziel one. That one's. I might. I also, I feel like I've lived vicariously through everyone else on the social medias because I've seen now the most outrageous clips of it. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I've I've spent 15 minutes on it, but yet I don't actually watch many of them. And and I but I, I say all that say. I guess here's the the point I was actually trying to get to is I was going to watch Swamp 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 Kings Swamp Kings Swamp Kings, Swamp Kings. Uh, Swamp Kings about Florida, and now I'm not. I went yeah. from lean yes yeah. to solid yes to absolutely not. Yeah. I don't care now. Not worth and, it. And uh, a bit disappointing because uh, yeah. I, you know, I like those Florida teams. Followed them pretty closely. Remember them well. Wanted all of it. Wanted to know everything. And uh, alas, we do not know everything. We're gonna go ahead and take our first time out here of the second hour of the show. When we come back, we'll talk about some X factors for Auburn in 2023. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Halfway home on the show about today and halfway home for the week. Again, I want to remind you, the High School Coaches Show coming up 6 o'clock tonight right here. Tiger 95.9, Brooks Childress, the host of the High School Coaches Show. He'll be joined by Walter Northcutt. Expect to have a great turnout there at the End Zone Bar and Grill. Again, that'll be from 6 to 8 o'clock tonight uh, right here on Tiger 95.9 as we kick off the high school football season. We're getting closer and closer to kicking off the college football season as well. Week zero coming up on Saturday, 10 days until Auburn and UMass and all the good stuff on uh, the first full Saturday of the season. As promised, let's get to a couple of our picks for some X-Factors uh, this year, obviously don't want to put like Peyton Thorne on there. That's just flat-out valuable player. It needs to be good or that sort of thing. So right. trying to cook up a couple players outside the top few uh, that are going to end up being X-Factors for the Tigers this year. I'll start with you, Cam, uh, as opposed to starting with myself. don't know why I said that. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll st- start with you, though. Uh, give us one or two X-Factors you're looking out for. Um, I'm going to look out for, on the defensive line, Keldrick Falk. Um, heard some very good things about him. Um, you know, some real excitement that he could be somebody that could truly be one of the one of them ones uh, that could uh, really – um, be dynamic, disruptive on that on that defensive line. Coincidentally, his brother also committed to Auburn yes. just uh, just the other day. So, um, you know, he's a, his brother's an edge player, to class of twenty five. But having Keldrick Falk in here, um, he is uh, truly uh, seems like he's getting his footing and will be an absolutely uh, exciting uh, player. Will be a beast. Seems like he's gonna have. Um, plenty of opportunities to uh, showcase himself uh, another one that I'm kind of thinking of is um, you know d- um, man I've actually got a few but um, well we can get to more yeah. later just give me one more right <laughs> um, now. I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you, I'll give you actually I'll, I'll go with uh, hooks I'll go with um, okay, Shane Hooks. yeah I'll go with Shane hooks actually um, because that wide receiver core, you need somebody that's going to be able to separate themselves. You need a true wide receiver one. Auburn really and truly has not had a true wide receiver one since Seth Williams. Um, you know, and that was that's coming up on what two, three years ago, maybe three years ago. Yeah. So not having a true wide receiver one for three years in your program is is disappointing. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he kind of ste- he steps up, continues to separate himself, um, and and will be a reliable target that um, Peyton Thorne will be able to to uh, look to and and be a true X factor. So that those are my two for now. I'll go one defense and one offense, too. I'll start defensively with Larry Nixon, the third, uh, coming out of North Texas. 100 tackles last year at North Texas and heard some good things about him. And, look, Auburn needed to upgrade the linebacker position, kind of like wide receiver where some of those guys are back, but you still either need those guys to get better than what they were last year or you just need flat-out new guys there. Uh, And I think that uh, from what we've heard about Larry Nixon, the third, I expect him – uh, to be an important part of that. Again, like I said, 105 tackles last year at North Texas, and he was a multi-year starter. So 
Uh, I think that Nixon's going to be important important in the linebackers because, again, when we talk front, we talk the ability to stop the run. It's not always just about the tackles, although they are important in eating up blockers, uh, but the linebackers are the ones that get these big tackle numbers. So uh, Larry Nixon would, uh, would be someone that needs to have a good year. Offensively for the Tigers, um, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box. I'm going to go with RB2, actually RB3 with Brian Batty. Okay. Um, so this is, to me, a definition of an X factor because I feel pretty confident what Jarquez Hunter is going to do. I think he's going to supply uh, a, a solid uh, solid game throughout the year. I yeah. think that Damari Austin's got the potential. I think he's got a high ceiling as a running back, and he's been breaking off some big runs in fall practice. So For I think sure. Austin's going to be a part of it. But Batty's going to be the returner. He's going to be a kick return. He's going to be gadget guy. And again, if you listen to the coaching staff, it could end up being where he just there's out of opportunities and that sort of thing. But he's going to have some opportunities between the tackles too. I think. I think they're really going to try to look him to get five to ten touches a game. So what can he do in those touches? Because Auburn's had some really great people in those roles, guys like Corey Green and Ontario McHale. McHale at times got used a little bit more, but guys that just have this quick uh, quick twitch. A uh, Sean Shivers would probably fit yeah. that bill too. Uh, and so Auburn clearly wants to involve really all these guys. I don't know if they'll involve Cobb just because he's a true freshman. They said and, that he's been turning uh, some heads. Sure. Though. I mean, he's been really good, and <laughs> yeah. I know he will be good. Uh, you just run out of carries at right, some point. Right. But uh, I think that they really have liked that entire room. But I think that Batty in the return game, uh, obviously that that's something that's forgotten a little bit about in, in, in football now. We've tried to decrease it now with all the fair catches and bringing the ball out to 25 instead of the 20 now and just all that stuff. But I think you still have someone flip the field like that. I mean, that's the type of thing when you're yeah. playing a Georgia, LSU, Bama who are going to produce great win. defense. Yeah. That's one of those random type outcomes was like, oh, well, you got three short fields because Batty had 20 yards of return or something, or, or maybe he broke a huge one for a TD or something. So I, I think that uh, I, I think that, that that kind of thing will be uh, Im- important when you're playing the, the great defenses. And so Batty as the returner, but also uh, getting spurts in the offense in various ways to potentially make uh, a big play. Obviously, we expect kind of the DBs, um, or at least the starting corners at least, to be more than X-Factors, yes. just be flat-out legitimate. That was uh, going to be my next one. Okay, was well, start one of the starting DBs yes. then? Go, go yes. for it then. Yes, I was going to say um, uh, Nehemiah Pritchett. Um, could is definitely one of the one of the X factors as, as well as Kay and Lee. I've heard that he's doing pretty well uh, as a freshman already, being able to stand out and um, you know talking to um, talking to Trevon Reed actually about you know some of these guys, and he was like, yeah, Kay and Lee, he's a he's he's one of the really really good ones, um, and and will be for for Auburn for a while. But I mean, any of those these guys in a really talented defensive back room you know will will be it will could be an x factor um you know we already know about tj james and and he's kind of has the has the ability to be a, a bit of a ball hawk um on the other side you have pritchett who is kind of more of your lockdown no fly zone db um and, you know obviously they both nehemiah kind of had a little bit of trouble last season but i think that had more to do with 
the offensive line or excuse me the defensive line not getting as much pressure so the quarterback having more time to go to their receivers and being a DB that's one of the hardest hardest jobs on the field because you're chasing somebody you're you're chasing somebody the entire time there's no prediction every time you're not going to be able to get guess where they're going to go every time so that's one of the tougher jobs on the field um, so any of those guys in you know in the DB room could truly be uh, X factors in my opinion. What about a guy? Because we've talked about this guy a lot, but I still because of his position, I don't deem as like one of the five most important players in the field. Although maybe you argue that again, we're trying to separate X factors from guys that just flat out are going to matter. Period. Rivaldo Fairweather, a lot of yeah. people. I mean, a lot of people talking about him. We were talking about him from the minute he transferred from FIU because he's just so big, big dude. but he's athletic. Six what four, should two, what What do you want the usage to? Be? What do you think the usage should be this year? Oh man, I just it's kind of hard where to put him. You know, you're not 100 percent sure where, you know how what what his full skill set is. Uh, I th- I mean, I think he's going to be more of a, of a pass catcher. But I mean, I think he could end up kind of pushing out to being a wide receiver a little bit as well. You know, kind of that tight end that tight end wide receiver hybrid type situation. Um, where he could be, you know, inside and being able to block, but he could also step outside and, you know, run some routes, be able to catch the ball pretty well. Uh, maybe I, I think he'll get a lot of usage in the end zone, you know, in, in the red zone, uh, red zone packages. I think I could we could see him a lot because he is such a big guy. I think he's a big target. Could be easy for Peyton Thorne to, uh, Peyton Thorne to give get him the ball. Um, so I, I could definitely see that, uh, you know, the – the must-get situations as well, you know, a third and you know, third and five, something like that. Give give him um, give him the opportunity to kind of uh, get into a spot and again a big target. Put him put put the ball right on him um, and and you know get him the ball. So I think that could kind of see where he could be using those situations. I need Rivaldo Fairweather to have a good year. I, I need him to have a good year <laughs> because I'm sure I'm going to probably. Um, speak to a lot of people when I say this. How many years in a row are we on talking about a tight end we think could break out or Gosh, tight end position right? being pretty good? And then looking down, it's like, oh, yeah, he had nine catches this year or right. he had 15 targets all year. And just like guys just not playing. And I'm not saying that every single one of them needed to play a lot. Some did, some no, take I mean, or leave. Our, our most but, recent impactful one was John Samashenker. So, but I, but I need a productive tight end season to where we can justify the amounts of time. Because again, here we are. We're talking about Rivaldo Fairweather a lot. Someone Tom brought up yesterday when we were talking a little bit about the optimism around the receiving group. If I look down at the end of the year, uh, granted, you know, got to be healthy, but. Assuming health, if I look down at the end of the year and he's got like ten catches for 110 yards in the year and a touchdown, I'm disappointed. I'm just don't. I'm gonna have no appetite to talk about tight ends ever again. Yeah, just no, just no appetite at all. Because uh, these other guys are not going to be siphoning much playing time away from him. Like like Luke Deal, Brandon Frazier, they will play in in times, but they're more so blocking. You know, right. and, and Deal can go out. I'm not saying yeah, he can't, but, can catch. but Frazier's a huge dude. Like He's going to block if he's in there most of the time. And these other guys are just not going to be as skilled as Fairweather. So if Fairweather's in the game, look, I, I want to see him as a blocker. That's something that might not be as sexy, but I'm going to be intrigued by. Yeah. It's like, can he block? Because if he can block, then he'll you should more, just never yeah, be taking him off yeah, the field. He'll get more playing time. Right? Right. I, mean, I mean, if he can catch, if he can be a vertical threat, 
and he can block, then you just shouldn't be taking him off the field very often. So I do want to see that from him. And, again, we can't really judge from uh, too much from the UMass game, but at least in the Cal game, I want to like, – there's something random I'm going to be staring at uh, because I want him to be productive and I want this offense to – doesn't have to shove it to the tight end like Georgia's going to shove it to Brock Bowers. Not everybody's Brock Bowers. Not everybody <laughs> yeah. does that. I'm not saying I need Fairweather to have a, be the first 1,000-yard guy. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. But I just need – Something like a 30 to 40 catch season, right. four to 500 yards, six, seven touchdowns, something in there. Absolutely. Just, just, just so you can prove to me that the tight end position can matter yeah, and can you can used. use it effectively. Um, and that it, it is a, a plus instead of a nothing burger because it's been a nothing burger for Auburn more times than not the last seven, eight, nine years, ever yeah. since I would say CJ Uzama. Right. So I've got another one. Yeah, well. give me one more and we'll Cam go. Cam Riley. I'm going to st- okay. kind of stick with that uh, linebacker position like you'd mentioned earlier. Um, Cam Riley was doing pretty good early in the season last year. Um, you know, get, I mean, he was involved, you know, in, in every play, it seemed like he and Owen Papo both, but mainly, I mean, Cam Riley was really stepping up in that position, um, in the, in the linebacker room. And then he got injured and then he kind of, it was kind of weird. He didn't see the field as much anymore. He was kind of in there sometimes, kind of not in there. And, you know, we don't, nobody really knows what happened with that situation, how it maybe he just wasn't fully healthy, able to come back 100% like he was. And, and, but, you know, he, like I said, early in the season, he was in everything all the time. So, um, he could definitely be an X factor, somebody who, um, could you know bring some more impact into that linebacker room? I think uh, I want to see how he does as well in this um, in this season, and if he can stay healthy, then that's definitely another guy I want to keep an eye on. Yeah, look, I mean, again, there is even optimism at the linebacker room because I mentioned a linebacker too, right? right? But uh, ultimately, we'll see it on the field because. I just feel like again, I can't I can't study what every single school is saying. I'm sure people in Oxford are just loving Ole Miss right now. I'm sure people in Fayetteville loving Arkansas, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, and, and, again, I try to listen to what Hugh Freeze is talking about because he has at least singled out a few negative things. Um, but, again, even the hype around the linebackers is, is at least there. I don't think it's as, as strong as other positions, but there is possibilities there that are intriguing in the linebacker room. And you mentioned Cam Riley trying to get better, one of those guys that – trying to improve from last year. Uh, you know, again, those linebackers are going to be important. We know the DBs going to be good. I'm just skeptical about the rush defense and about defensive lines and, and, and all that. Uh, can the linebackers be kind of a, a stopgap there and be able to, to aid in some of the uh, some of the lack of abilities from linemen? And also with Ron Roberts, I think that he's going to be blitzing a lot. I just I yeah. don't know in every formation it's going to come out of, but I, I think that he will blitz a lot, which means linebackers will get involved there uh, more at the line of scrimmage. We're going to take our next time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about realignment as the ACC is not going quietly into this good night. We'll tell you about the latest on the remaining Pac-4 schools and the Atlantic Coast Conference. And, of course, we'll preview the Atlantic Coast Conference for 2023 a little bit later. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, 
Can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here. Just went through some X factors for Auburn football. If you missed that, go check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh, a little bit later, ACC preview for 2023, where we will do what we've done each the previous two days. We'll have a 5 at 5 related to the ACC, and we'll probably just go at it. 30 straight minutes. That's what we were doing the last two days. Yep. Uh, we like the f- we've been formatting it. I'm doing this format thing like like it's just absolute gospel, and we've done it for years. We've done it for two days, but uh, going through some of the top teams, then going through any surprises, then going through hot seats if there are any, and then uh, finally picking conference champions. So that uh, will come up in the five o'clock hour. We do have this as a precursor, though ACC. Not uh, not necessarily out of the realignment game just yet. Talks have been mum a little bit last week or two on the potential of adding Cal and Stanford, maybe even SMU. But Pete Thamel, who is who I would turn to above anyone else in, in college football news, uh, was tweeting up a storm just for the show today. And so I'm going to read you a couple of these verbatim. Sources, the potential additions of Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC are again under serious consideration by the ACC. A small group of ACC presidents met Wednesday morning to discuss financial models that would come with the additions. Those models are expected to include significant financial concessions from the schools that would be added. More meetings are expected this week. Just one vote is needed among the block of North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, and Florida State to get the three new schools in. Assuming all yes votes are in agreement with the financial agreements, a realistic timeline for a decision is about one week. There's some other important stuff we'll get to uh, that he also said, but I will not. I will spare you the other couple tweets that he had. So, ACC clear. I'm just going to go ahead and break news. The Jim Phillips, ACC, they want these three teams in. Uh, they do. They would not be going right. to this length. They are trying every which way to convince Carolina, State, Florida State, or Clemson to let these teams in. It's a fascinating dynamic, as I discussed a little bit off air, uh, with TP and with some so just anytime we talk have these conversations that the very schools that are wanting more money and threatening to leave are in fact the schools that are trying to block the arrival of more money it's it's a it's Doesn't a paradoxical <laughs> thing here because there is a clause that says that more money will be distributed to the conference if they bring in more Teams bring in more more value. And on top of that, you've got Stanford and Cal being willing to, willing to take less of a share 
They will take some money, but a lesser share. And SMU, I did not go on to read this. This was included in the tweets I did not read because I wanted to be to emphasize how desperate this is. And I think I, I think I might have mentioned a couple weeks ago, but like it is confirmed here. SMU is willing to forfeit all media share for seven years just wow. to join the ACC. They don't want a dime. I mean, they want a dime, but they will not They're accept a dime. Yeah. A money for the media rights deal if they can just be in this league. Wow. So what, I mean, I guess the holdup is just the responsibility of geography and of travel, I guess, because financially, these teams are making it as appealing as possible, I would think, yeah. to these to these ACC schools. Yeah, seems like it. Seems like they're trying their best to, to make it as smooth of a transition as possible um you know i mean if you're unc nc state clemson fsu you shouldn't have much of a problem with this um you know it, it might not add the most competition but it adds money yeah um and what I, else are you going to do that would yeah. be my question like okay let's go through the scenarios you can't just beg the mothership to give you more money yeah. when you don't increase your value at all. Right. The TV deal runs to 2036. I have explained this with people wanting to be traded in the NBA, Damian Lillard, <laughs> that if you sign a contract, you you like you agreed in. to something. Yeah, you, you agreed, agreed to, something. to a service or to a financial to pr- provide, payment right. to provide a service. And so for these teams, you have agreed in grant rights and all that good stuff to have your athletics be broadcast on these great television stations at a cost to the, of them to you or, or to them of you, uh, you know, X amount of money per year. And so you don't have unless something ex- incredibly new, something out of the ordinary comes up. There is nothing in that contract that says you need to renegotiate an entirely new deal just because one school or two schools are angry. Right. Like, that's not how contracts work. No, I mean, like, it's not. W- like you and I, I mean, everyone out there doing jobs, like, uh, would you want more money tomorrow? Absolutely. We all would. It doesn't work like that. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, I've done nothing different the last X amount of time, but now I want twice the money you're not entitled to that and just because a couple years went on sure inflation get it we talk about small raises at the personal level we're not talking about small raises at the personal (laughs) level i do want to be clear about that i'm not saying no one ever gets a raise big raises no one corporate level (laughs) i'm talking about yeah hey i sat here did the same thing for eight months here's you know double the, the payment for it when everyone else around me has done better than I have or has increased. And so that's what's going on with the conferences. The SEC's added value. The Big Ten's added a lot of value. Heck, the Big 12 has added some value. The ACC's not done anything. It's one of three leagues to have no different membership right now. The Mountain West, the MAC, and the ACC. That's it. Everyone else has agreed to right. something or is having something done to them or, or what this, that, and the other thing. 
And so my thing is, you're not going to get them to renegotiate. So 2036, yet you are whining about it now. In 2023, you're oh, less than gosh. halfway into the deal. Yeah, you're and you're already this handsome. You're not waiting for that. So what avenues do you have? Leave? Well, no one wants you right now. Even though you're good schools, yeah. SEC does not want to just destroy college athletics. They, no, they won't they, do it. They, they are not I, interested. Sankey's not interested. I will continue yeah. to preach that. Yeah. And then the Big Ten is good. They, yeah. They've gotten everything they could. They got USC, UCLA. They got Oregon, Washington. They took everything. the absolute best the Pac-12 possibly had. They took it all. Yeah. And so they're good right now, too. They don't need the increased value. They're great. And so Florida State has nowhere to run. So what's the last stop? This is it. Like, if this you want it. more money, you can't renegotiate. You can't strong arm your way into a different conference right now. What's it? You add value. You add value to your current conference. Oh, yeah. yeah. You get uh, the CW to <laughs> yeah. pay for a one-off deal for Florida State. <laughs> right, Only right. Florida State is here. Florida right. State and Liv Florida is State our sports only. package. Florida State. Um, and so the only way you increase value right now is to get more schools. Yeah. And schools that are actually very desperate yeah. and very willing to say, no, keep your share. I don't need it. I just want to play against you. I just want to be safe and secure. We all want security in life, right? right? And SMU's like, I don't I just I, don't I just want I to want matter. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want any money. We'll find out. We have rich Texas boosters. We're gonna find money somewhere. We might drill it right out of the ground. I don't care. <laughs> we'll find it. Uh we just want to be in a right. conference we that matters. And good for them. That yeah. they they More made their intentions them. clear. Um if, if you're okay, well, I'm trying to think of a question we've not asked before because we have talked about this, but it's just it comes back to light now because we have a timeline. We think in the next seven days, final decisions. If Pete Thamel's reporting it, we think there's a possibility this will happen. And bottom line is Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State have to go somewhere. SMU doesn't. They're in the AAC, whatever. But like the the four schools can't function by themselves they They have to either merge with a different league add from a different league or just flat out go to a different league they there has to be a decision here um my personal preference i'm still thinking a question i will get to a question I i will cook something up um my personal preference is just for them to join the league, the ACC. Yeah. And my self-interest there is, again, I don't want North Carolina to be trying to get into a different league. They belong in the ACC, stay in a different league. And you guys also know that I love UAB, grew up in Birmingham. That's where I went to all these games growing up. And so I don't want UAB to have finally gotten out of conference USA, got to the AAC, which is a more respected group of five conference, for then all of a sudden the pack four schools to take all the relevant schools from the AAC. Like right. take, take not only SMU, but take Tulane, uh, right take Memphis, right, take yeah. UTSA, take all the schools that might matter even just a little bit, and now UAB's in a, just as bad league as Conference USA is. Yep. Congrats on that. Like I, I don't want that. Yeah, so you're right back to square one. Right. So I just want these teams to be happy and get their way and get in the ACC because that's clearly what Stanford, DeKal, and SMU want. That's that's clearly what Jim Phillips wants, and that's clearly what all the other schools prefer, except for Florida State, Clemson, Carolina, and NC State. Of course, ah. I'm defending one of the very teams that I want to be taken care of, and yet they're the ones saying no, don't want more money. Makes no sense. So. Yeah, is that okay? I guess the question I maybe I've asked this to you, maybe I've asked this to other people. Question I have for you is of the outcomes for those four teams Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, 
what is your preference? Like, do you want them to be in a merger with the Mountain West? Do you want them to integrate teams from both the Mountain West and the AAC? Do you want them to just not the Pac-12 to be absolutely gone, and you want uh, Cal, Stanford, and the ACC and Washington State, Oregon State to blend in with like the Mountain West or whatever they would end up doing AAC? Like, what 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 is your preferred outcome for these last four schools? I mean, I think the Pac-12 is all but gone at this point anyway, right? And and if Cal and Stanford go ahead and just join the ACC, then that leaves you two. Yeah, so you're not merging anything. You're not that. merging Those anything. Gonna, yeah, they're just going to go find, find another conference. Yeah. Another conference. So, you know, how, however that goes, I think that still spells disaster for the Pac-12 at the end of the day. Um you know, like you said, SMU's made their intentions perfectly clear. They are willing to get to a relevant conference by any means necessary. Yep. Respect, you know, because you're trying to build a brand, and with that brand, you you know, you got to get into a bigger spotlight. So I feel it. Um, and you know, if you're Cal and Stanford, you're saying, well, you know, Stanford has. Plenty and, and some solid athletic programs that, that will be able to probably compete within the ACC. The travel is going to suck like right. immensely for those athletes because for the most part, you're, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're well, I mean, there's no it. there's no I mean, middle ground. Right. I mean, you're, you're no OK, cool. Trip. You, you got to play. Like I would be like, yeah, we for every it's team, coast we have to, to coast. Play, we have to play Cal at least once a year. Like, yeah, in basketball, you know, we play Cal twice how that goes whatever you know you're traveling for those you gotta you know just to to eat up that those two games for travel i really at least the one game for travel and then you're you're traveling across the country for the rest of them that kind of is what it is but your team should still be able to compete you know they have the women's you know stanford has their women's golf program they have women's basketball um that that can compete pretty well um I don't know if they have a softball program. I think they do. Maybe they do. Um, and so, you know, with that, it'll be it'll be something. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think this just spells overall the end of the Pac-12, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't see any merger happening. I don't see anything like that yeah, going I, along I, the lines. I think they're just going to be Cal and Stanford go to the ACC. That is the end of the Pac-12. Yeah, that's that's what I'm rooting for at this point. Just go ahead, put it out of its misery. Yeah. I don't want it to just take it to the woodshed, exist man. in some sort of smaller form. So yeah. that's the it for our number two. Again, that news that Cal, Stanford, and SMU maybe one last gasp trying to get to the ACC with the decision coming in the next week. Out of time for hour number two and hour number three, a preview of the ACC in 2023 and a Sports Call 5 at 5. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Also, T.P. Hammock, who's running the board and taking your phone calls. If you missed anything so far, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola. To go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola taste the feeling. Circling back to something just real briefly before we get to the 5 at 5. Circle back. Um, to something non-sports related to the yeah. movies. Yeah. Again, I always say this because it's just my, one of my favorite things. Vanilla Coke out of the Coke Freestyle machines at the movie <laughs> theater. Just absolutely what I go for. Uh, if I can't go Vanilla Coke... Uh, I think I get, I think I I know you know what I'm pretty confident in this in the Opelika at the Tiger Town Theater you can get Pib and okay. in the Auburn Theater you can get Dr Pepper uh, but for whatever reason they're different don't ask me um, and I, I, so I'll go to I'll go to Pib as the backup if we can't go Vanilla Coke Fair enough. I've never had to go to Option Three I don't even know what Option Three would be but I certainly like love a good Coke Freestyle machine. Just throwing that out there if anyone's going to a movie uh, this weekend. All right, time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, and it's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. All right, today on the Sports Call 5 at 5, we begin our ACC preview. And as we've done the previous two days, let's get to five storylines to watch out for in the Atlantic Coast Conference. We start with number one. Number one is FSU for real. Florida State Seminoles having a big start to their year. Of course, they're going to have LSU in week one. They've also got Clemson in week four. We're going to find out pretty quickly if Florida State's for real. Mike Norvell slowly bringing the program back after some failed years there. In the last five or six years, into Jimbo Fisher on to now. So we'll see. And, of course, the failed Willie Taggart experiment. We'll see. If Mike Norvell uh, can get things really going for us, they have a big year this year. Number two. Buy or sell Clemson stock. Clemson, one of the major players in college football for seven or eight years now. What are they? Are they truly sliding backwards, or are they going to return to a playoff and return to an opportunity to win another national title? Big year for Clemson this year. Kate Klubnick, no more DJ Uyangale as he's at Oregon State. Uh, so we'll see if Klubnick can provide another great Clemson quarterback in this string of Clemson quarterbacks and get Clemson back in a playoff this year. Number three. Miami still exists. We haven't talked about the Hurricanes in a little while. Uh, Miami under second-year head coach Mario Cristobal. 
look, that's a big-time program to be as average as they have been for as long as they have been. And, look, we talk about Texas at the national level all the time. I want to focus a little bit more on the travails of Miami as the Hurricanes had a couple runs of greatness uh, of time in the past. But last 15 or so years, they've just not been much. And various head coaches have failed there. Can Miami return to relevance and actually get back in the swing of things? They got an opportunity recruiting-wise. We're talking about Florida, although Florida's recruited well. Florida's struggling in the win-loss department, and Florida State just now trying to get back to prominence. State of Florida's got all this potential, and yet all these teams still kind of struggling around a little bit. Miami, no exception there. Number four. Is it Drake May season for North Carolina? Drake May, a line of North Carolina quarterbacks to be very successful now, uh, dating even back to Marquise Williams the first time Carolina made an ACC title game, but then they went into Mitchell Trubisky. Now Sam Howell, who's been recently named Washington Commander's starter. North Carolina, for the school it is, producing quarterbacks at a decent rate, and Drake May had a phenomenal freshman year last year. Can he, or, uh, yeah, redshirt freshman year last year, can he get to... New York for a Heisman ceremony. Can he lead Carolina to something special trying to uh, upset the strong order of things between Florida State and Clemson? Weapons around him a little bit suspect. Don't know if it's actually going to happen, but Drake May, one of the most talented players in the country, figures to be the number two quarterback prospect in the draft. Can he elevate a normally average Power 5 school and make it into a big year in Chapel Hill? Number five. And wake up, State of Virginia. You have really bad football teams this year. What's wrong with you? Virginia Tech, post-Frank Beamer's has not been the same. Uh, failed Justin Fuente experiment, now on their second head coach, post-Frank Beamer. And Tony Elliott in Virginia. Those two teams picked towards the bottom three or four schools in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now, look, Virginia's not entitled to space necessarily in the top of the league, but they shouldn't be slumming it with no offense to Boston College and Georgia Tech right now. They shouldn't be slumming in at the bottom of the league necessarily. Bronco Mendenhall had some successful campaigns there. And then, like I said, with Virginia Tech, if you were just taking at face value successful programs in this league, they'd be top five easily under Frank Beamer and really top three for the majority of it. And again, I know a lot of it was also done in the Big East, not all in the ACC. But uh, the state of Virginia just looking to be very disappointing uh, in the football landscape this year between Virginia and Virginia Tech. So that's five stories to watch out for. That's the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. I turn it to you, Cam. We'll start at the top of the league before we go down a little bit. Clemson, Florida State is going to be a great debate uh, this year. I really think there's a pretty sizable chasm between anyone else. Maybe Carolina would be in that next wave. Uh, I don't know exactly where Miami will stack out this year. Do you think it's just a two-horse race in the ACC this season? I do. I truly think it's really just a matter of who's going to it's going to be between Clemson and Florida State. Um, I, I'm excited to see what Clemson is going to be able to do. They were kind of, you know, just an average, I guess, year. I mean, they they had a solid year. It ended up being a solid year. You know, they struggled uh, with DJ Uliungalale under center, and so they. I think they. I don't remember. There was a game that they won that they lost at the beginning of the season where people were like, "Oh, were they supposed to?" win that or were they supposed to lose that game um let's see i'm looking back right here um, i think you're thinking of 2021 when they maybe lost it was georgia 20, 10 yes, to georgia yeah. yes that maybe that's what it was it wasn't yeah. like 
it was to an awful team because Georgia went on to win the title, but it was just they scored three points. Right, yeah, they scored against three anybody. points. You're that's right, rough. you're right. That's exactly what it was. And they so they've been they struggle a little bit, but Cade Klubnik, um, you know, seems to have some promise and some real talent, um, you know, and so I think that he's. Um, He's definitely going to help, and you know, Dabo Sweeney can't count, count him out for too long anyway. Uh, you know, he's going to be able to reload a team and, and get get his team back to where they're supposed to be. Um, and then with Florida State, you know, they've got plenty of talent. Jordan Travis, who seems to have burst onto the onto the scene, um, they've got some really good wide receivers as well. Johnny Wilson, who um, you know, another guy who burst onto the scene as well. Um, and and so you know, Mike Norvell is going to be able to. Um, you know, get the. He seems to have finally found his footing uh, after a couple of years of, of of struggling. And you know, he was he was getting close to. He was on that hot seat for a little bit, but after last season, he really turned it around and has been able to um, kind of push uh, and and propel Florida State back to relevance. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's truly a two horse race. Maybe North Carolina can make some noise in there. Um, you know that that's that's about it. Miami, I'm not expecting too much. I I don't see. You know, I think Cristobal probably needs still a little bit more time, and it's not even like he's been recruiting at the rate that you would expect him to at his alma mater. I think that's really why he got hired there because he was a really good recruiter, and he did. You know, he did well also at Oregon. No, you know, no shade there, but. You know, you figure he goes back to where he played college ball and he's able to recruit at such a high level. You know, he's gotten some guys, but it's not at the at the rate that you're expecting him. You know, he's supposed to be winning all of these battles that Miami's coming down in. Um, you know, the you know, when they these players do name their top fours, you're expecting Miami to kind of close it out because Crystal Ball's the guy that's been able to recruit so well and then um, you know, recruit to his alma mater. So you know, it's been a little bit disappointing, but again, he's entering his second season, so you want to give it maybe one more year and see how it t- see how it plays out this year. And you know, if the team's still not good, you know, last year they had, I mean, just a bunch of just bad losses, and you can't have that again this year. So you know, two two in a row, you're definitely going to see. Okay, he's absolutely going to be in the hot seat. I don't expect them to fire him after this offseason because he is a former player for them. So they're going to give him a little bit more time than you know the average head coach. But in that year three, you know, you have expectations. You need to win some football games. So, um, like I said, you know, kind of kind of closing it out. It's going to be a top two. You know, it's going to be really. Clemson, Florida State at the top, and then you know, like you said, it's 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 a it's a gap, and then you kind of have the Pitts, the North Carolinas, the you know NC State, Miami. Those teams are kind of in a, in their own kind of tier. So that's kind of where I'm expecting it to fall out this season, and and see, uh, and you know, that's that's where I expect the ACC is going to kind of be able to hang their hats this year is on Clemson or Florida State to really, if they're going to be able to make the playoff, which they didn't last year, the ACC was left out. If they're going to try and get in this year, then both you know Clemson and Florida State are going to have to be uh, pretty phenomenal teams. Someone I want to talk a little bit about that I don't know if this name's been said on the show one time in the last 12 months. I don't know if it's talked about nationally a lot. But I do want to mention this because I think this is a very relevant name. I think this is actually just as much what's made Clemson Clemson as the great quarterback play that we've seen. It's Wes Goodwin, the defensive coordinator for Clemson. He took over for Brent Venables, the longtime D.C., who had had wonderful defenses at Clemson. Obviously, we talked about the very disappointing 
and flat out bad year Venables had at Oklahoma last year. But Wes Goodwin, second year as Clemson defensive coordinator. He had been at Clemson from 2018 to 2021 as a senior defensive assistant, and he'd been an assistant to the head coach with the Arizona Cardinals. Prior to that, he'd been a GA at Clemson, basically in the college game, other than one quick stint at Mississippi State, which is his alma mater. Uh, he's really been at Clemson or in the NFL briefly. That part of it is very important to me because in that year that you started out referring to, Cam, where they lost to Georgia 10-3 to start the year, they still ended up 10-3 and that year. But right. they only averaged 26 points a game that year. DJ was not good at all. No. It was viciously disappointing. They wouldn't have been a 10-win team if they couldn't play defense. That right. year, they allowed 15 points a game. And going back through it, since 2016, I'll read it to you. 18 a game in 16, 13 and a half a game in 17, 13 a game in 18, 13 and a half a game in 19, up to 20 a game in 2020, but down to 15, like I said, 14.8 a game, game in 2021. Last year, they went back up to around that 20 range of 20.9. But as you just heard, in the last seven years, five of the seven years, sub 20 points, and the worst productivity still being well 21 points last year they got a lot of returning starters i want to find out if this ends up being a negative trend up into the 20s for clemson or if they get that back down to sub 20 because that's what's allowed them to still even with some disappointing offensive years the last couple years still be 10 and 11 wins respectively is still being a top 25 defense last year but prior to that a top 10 defense really every year and that to me is why clemson translated into winning a couple national titles yeah everybody fell in love with trevor lawrence as freshman he's awesome scored 40 on bam i get it and Deshaun Watson had the incredibly clutch moments against Alabama in, in 16 to be able to, to win that wow, title in the rematch sure. there. I get it. But what allowed them to get there, what allowed them to get to that point, what allowed them to stay in those games in some cases was the fact that they were an excellent defense. They they are the most SEC-like non-SEC Agreed. program out yeah. there, even more so than Ohio yeah, State, who Ohio State has some some great uh, defensive players. Uh, but, they yeah. have dynamic offensive players. They score a lot of points. But to me, and maybe it's just geographically speaking too, it's just like Clemson has felt – like an SEC program oh, operating yeah. in the ACC because of the way that they do play defense. And they had, uh, as I just said, they did it consistently. So I want to see if in West Goodwin's second year, are they going to return under 20 points a game with the Brent Venable standard? Or are they going to keep leaking a little bit? I think that's that's actually a subplot here of, of how Florida State could overtake them if Clemson is not as rock solid defensively. Now, the good news for Clemson is they had four guys last year with at least five sacks. And only Miles Murphy, now Atlanta Falcon, yeah. Miles Murphy. Uh, only Miles Murphy uh, is is not back off of that team. Right. So they got three guys with five plus sacks. We know in a college game, that's still a respectable number. We wouldn't be talking too much about that in the NFL, but that's a solid number still for college. The so three guys there uh, of their leading tacklers, their top three leading tacklers back uh, of interceptions they have. They didn't uh, force many interceptions back. Uh, but if my math is correct, I'm still looking. Not a single interception was lost from last year's team. Everybody that had uh, an INT is back. So their defense is set up to be really good. Like like that was a transitional period to some degree. They only had six returning stars for last year. Their defense should be awesome this year. So I know that we spend, because we don't talk a lot about them, when we do spend time, we talk about the club Nick dynamic and, and DJ and all that. And yeah. I will say – 
like Clemson did improve offensively last year. They went from 26 a game in DJ's first year started to 33 a game last year. So there was improvement there. It just wasn't awesome. DJ went into 22 TDs to seven picks. Like that, I can live with that. 61. percent He just wasn't throwing the ball down the field, uh, and and that was part the big part of it. But they did improve him a little bit, and yet the defense was was still really good. So I want to see that defensive unit. Can it still be nasty? Can it disrupt Jordan Travis when they play? That is week four. That is in Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, and look, I will say, too, uh, and this is why I'm intrigued by uh, Notre Dame, is Notre Dame's got a, a, a few big years. And I do, I, will, I do want to throw in Notre Dame here in the ACC conversation, by the way. So if you have thoughts on Notre Dame in just a second, throwing them in here. I know they're not an ACC team in football. They are in the other sports, and I have nowhere else to put them in the Power 5 discussion. They are a power program. They don't, they don't but get their own day. Th- this is why I want to mention Notre Dame here, because Notre Dame has Clemson on the schedule. And, of course, Notre Dame, as we talked about yesterday, has USC on the schedule. Notre Dame has a few really, really important games this year. But for Clemson's side of this, remember, we've hodgepodge of the ACC. We're not doing Coastal and Atlantic anymore. Really, everyone's getting away from divisions. And so Clemson Florida State could happen twice this year, but Clemson can just beat Florida State in the home field. Clemson, go ahead, put it in. Clemson's in the ACC title game. That, that's how that's going to go. The winner of that game, go ahead, put them in. They're in the yeah. title game. Uh, and so Clemson has all the tests that you would want to have, I suppose. I mean, they got North Carolina. They got, like I said, a non-conference, but still kind of ACC, Notre Dame. They're at Miami. They're at NC State. They've got what they could have even at Duke. I know you laugh. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Duke's going to be top half team in the yeah. ACC this year. Like bad. You're ranking ACC teams to play. Duke's top six or seven this year. So they've got the teams minus Pittsburgh that you could possibly play in the ACC plus the Notre Dame game plus the South Carolina game. Uh, which is going to be obviously at the end of the year going to be trying right. to be revenge yeah. Clemson. They finally Indeed. lost South Carolina right. last year. Uh, so Clemson to me is just fascinating because this has been one of the true three to four programs of the last decade. And to me, this is a big year because if you can prove you can still produce great defense without Brent Venables, there's no reason this thing should end. No. I, I, I like what like the point of me telling you they averaged seven more points a game last year than the year before is that they even though it wasn't enough. They did get DJ Uyangale in a better spot. They did. They did improve him a little bit. There was some coaching aspect to it, to the point that, again, he walked into Corvallis and, and took over job. a starting job yep. of a guy that started for a 10-win team last year. Yep. So, like, again, I'm not saying he was awesome. He clearly did not get up to Trevor Lawrence or Sean Watson or maybe even Todd Boy level, but he got into serviceable category. It's just their defense took a small step back. That's why they gave up 31 South Carolina and lost, for instance. So, um there's Clemson. I know I spent a long time on this. This segment goes on forever and ever. We're probably going to take man. one more break in the show. Cool. So, um, Florida State's tough for me because I Florida State to me is going to have a good record. I'm not going to buy that they're a good team. I think that they are going to take advantage of Love a league good. that doesn't have an obvious number three. Yeah, like I think yeah. three through six to seven is all respectable category, but there's other leagues where three and four and five are still top 20 teams. I mean, the Pac-12 is. I, right. That doesn't happen every year, but you got four to five really good teams, Pac-12. I promise you teams three through five in the Pac-12 are better than th- uh, teams three through five in the ACC. Promise. Promise that that who take USC and Oregon, take whichever two, take, just take USC and Oregon. I promise you, Washington, Utah, Oregon State would beat the trio of Pitt, North Carolina, and and whoever you throw at the wall, uh, Duke or 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 whoever for number five, Miami, whatever it ends up being. I, I'd take right. the Pac-12 schools there. So Florida State, to me, has to prove their season in September. 
Their season is all about September to me. I will have a a final opinion of, of Florida State by September the 24th because okay. September 3rd, they got LSU. September 23rd, they're at Clemson. And, and, and that's pretty much their season. They got Miami, sure. They got at Florida and they're in that big rivalry at the end, sure. But Florida's not going to be great this year. No. That's that's not going to mean right. not as a much whole as it lot. Used to. Yeah. Um, and, and so they do have at Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, fine. I think Pittsburgh will be third or fourth in the ACC. That will determine – that might determine if they go to the ACC title game. But that, to me, doesn't determine if they're actually a, a truly good football team. How they play against LSU and Clemson will dictate that for me. Uh, but you got to respect Mike Norvell for the for the improvement because it was 2020. I hate that. Tw- I can't wait to be like eight years away from 2020, so I don't have to factor <laughs> these into recent trends yeah, and stuff right, like that. But right. his his first year there, three and six, whatever that would have been. I guess like a six and six team if they'd had non conference. Uh, five and seven, 2021 was not good, but then ten and three. So they had a clear build last year. And by the way, they should. And this is also why I'm getting on Miami a little bit. They should be really good right now. Because the ACC still does not have a true second player. Like, we're saying two-team league because of Florida State, but it's been a one-team league for a long period of time. It's just been Clemson. Clemson has played you and me in a title game. They played – I mean, Clemson has been so good for so long, they played almost every single team the Coastal had. They played uh, Carolina twice. They played Pittsburgh. They played Virginia. They beat Virginia in a title game 62-17, to lest us not forget yeah. 2019. Um, I guess it's not surprising they ended up winning the, the title that year. Um, and then, you know, they 2020, I guess they didn't have a, a whole thing. I guess they lost in 19. I'm sorry. The yeah. 19's not the year. They won it. January of 19 is when they won the 18 title. I just, <laughs> right, I, every right. now and then, that gets me. But beat Virginia in a title game. Um, pretty sure Georgia Tech went to a title game the last eight or nine years. It's just, I mean, they, they have outlet. No one in the coast will ever stepped up there. And so now that we've got the whole league in one big pot, it's time for Florida State to, to be really good, or it's time for Miami to be really good, be consistent. I mean, North Carolina's not even that far away from trying to take over the second most consistent program. I just told you they've been in the title game twice in the last five years, six years, uh, last seven years, I'm sorry. Um, And they keep spitting out quarterbacks. I mean, it's just not been – it's not been very competitive behind Clemson. It's time for – Florida State's a proud program. It's time for them to take that mantle. Uh, I'll give you another one, too. Pittsburgh under Narduzzi. I mean, this is – this is his ninth year there. Now he's been at uh, he's been at Pittsburgh a long time. Right, only year they and, were pretty good was with Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Right, and that, that's when they went to the title game. That's right. the one non Clemson. Your Wake Forest went that I year. I know. I was uh, I was big on Wake fake Forest. Fake slide and everything. And Pickett. Shout out to my homie Miles. But, but you know Pitt Pitt was producing eight and nine win teams. Can you take it up? See that that's what my point take it up is. A notch. Yeah. You you have been able to be ACC good if you're a couple of these schools. You've not been able to be nationally good because Pittsburgh has had these years where okay, to be fair to them, Tennessee was awesome last year, but you're nine and four. You're one of the most competent teams in the ACC, and you did squeak one out against West Virginia, who was not very good, and then did ultimately lose to Tennessee. Um, and you've not been able to take advantage fully of a year. Heck, the eleven and three year, twenty twenty one. Right, they beat Tennessee. Yay! Josh Heupel lost one of his first uh, games to Tennessee. Or, yep. or, you know, and they lost to Western Michigan. 
<laughs> right. That was, was an 11-win pit yeah, team that was right. good. That was ACC good. good. Yeah, ACC good. But yeah. they don't step out of their conference successfully. And so that's that's all I'm saying with Florida State Miami. Like the, the opportunity is there. It has been there. It will still be there. You should be 10 wins in your this league. You you have every opportunity with where you're located with your history, tradition to make a challenge to Clemson, yet Clemson's just cleaned your clock year after year. Yeah. Just cleaning clock. What a weird team. Um, that same team, seven and that that same pit team, that eleven and three team lost to a seven and five Miami team. Yeah. In twenty twenty one. So that I mean, that's that's weird. Yeah, they were they were that's a weird team yeah. for sure. I mean those two losses, Western Michigan and Miami are your two losses. That's yeah, <laughs> that was their two regular yeah, losses because like they did also season. lose right. the uh, bowl to Michigan bowl State right here, Peach Bowl. So Mel Tucker, yay, contract. Was your, yeah, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> the contract. Like, was, like, so at the end, is your, I mean, yeah, like you finished 11-3, but do you feel like you accomplished anything? Like, like nationally, no. If you're no. pit, yes, just because it was the right. best year you'd had yeah, a long sure, time. For and sure. you used if to be a, a really guess, proud program. Right, I, and I guess within themselves, yes, but again, Again, I feel like the main the main purpose here is to get that national recognition, which right. I mean, I think they ended up finishing, you know, pretty, you know, relatively decently ranked 17, 8, you know. Yeah, 17, 17 before the bowl game. Right, I don't know what they so I, to Right, I, I don't know what that. they finished after that either. Um, but again, 11, you're 11 and 3 and you're 17th in the nation. You know, it's just like. Because uh, people got it. It was right. like, yeah, this isn't real. The ACC, yeah. It's, I mean, and. And again, it's always about that that prominence overall as a as a as a conference, you know, to gain to to reach that higher level. Eh? Because Clemson is there, and we know Clemson's there. Florida State has the potential to get there if they can show a little bit more consistency. They'll get the commits, you know. They, I mean, they just—I mean, they just got a uh, uh, KJ Bolden, so you know they—they—they're gonna get guys yeah. because FSU has the reputation, um, you know, of, of being able to develop and put out NFL talent. So they have that. They have that rep. So you're gonna get. You're gonna entice players. You're gonna be able to recruit and continue to recruit at a high level. It's just a matter of putting the product on the field and being able to to use it properly. Other than that, you know, any other school, you're just kind of looking and you're like, ah, you know, yeah. Miami, you're expecting Miami to get there. Will they get back there? You don't know that other than that. I mean, there's not really truly. A, I mean, NC State had a couple of solid years as yeah. well. Uh, and, and, you know, North Carolina, same thing. But again, it, it's about reaching that upper that upper echelon of if you can get that truly true recognition, because overall, you're saying okay, it's Clemson and it's everybody else, it, you know, because that's where we always come in and bring in the question, the the intensity and the legitimacy of the ACC. That's why they are kind of left out in terms of when you're talking. Obviously, this is the last year of the college football playoff, but when you're talking about it. The ACC is usually can can tend to be left out as the odd man, and I mean the Pac-12 kind of has it's had been that up same to Clemson. Issue. Yeah, it's up to Clemson. It's always been up to Clemson. If and if Clemson's not good, the ACC is not getting a representative. It just is yeah. Fortunately it is. for them, they had like five straight years where they were just yeah, for able sure. to house everybody. Absolutely. But, 
But okay, let's look at a few other, <laughs> I mean, few of the middle teams in the league. Let's look at a couple middle teams in the league, uh, like it, some of the, the North Carolinian teams. NC State. Well, honestly, I could go all of them. I think NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, and Carolina, four of the top eight teams in the league, maybe nine. Depends how far is Wake Forest going to fall without Sam Hartman? You worried about that? Yeah, I am. I mean, I just, I mean, Sam Hartman. You know, he was an extremely talented quarterback, accurate, great decision lead, decision maker, great leader. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like he was a very integral part of that program. Um, I'm, I'm not fully sure. You know. If if they're you know if their head coach is going to be able to bring back that production, I don't think you really. I truly don't think he'll be able to bring back that production. Um, and I don't know if they have an official starter named yet. I don't know how that's going to go because obviously they just they just lost Hartman. Uh, but yeah, I I am worried that the drop off could be significant. Um, I'm not saying that they'll be you know bottom of the league not you know with the with the georgia techs and the and the virginias and the virginia techs and all that but you know i'm not expecting them to be great i'm expecting them you know to finish maybe you know ninth tenth you know not not great in this uh in, in this um in this league you know so yeah, I, I'm I'm not too I'm not too optimistic on what's going on in Wake Forest. So this is how, in my opinion, the ACC does mirror the SEC in one way. Talked about earlier in these previews about with the SEC teams and how some of the bottom teams in the league historically are batting above their average, like Ole Miss and Arkansas are kind of playing above their typical standard. Kentucky certainly playing above what their traditional standard is, while some of the better programs in the league are batting below their typical standard. Auburn would be one of them the last few years. Uh, Florida is certainly one of them. Uh, Tennessee was for a long period of time until they just came back with Heifel finally. And, and so – I see that going on the ACC where someone like Dave Clawson at Wake Forest who's only losing season since 2015 is just that 4 and 5 covid year which I don't I you know I throw out Wake Forest to be that consistently above 500 to be in the ACC title game that's batting above Wake Forest history there. Agreed. Uh, for NC State with Dave Doran to kind of in a similar fashion starting with 2014 where they went 8 and 5 only have one season where they did not win seven, eight, or nine games since 2014. NC State can play at that level, sure. but it's usually not that sustained to where you, you're penciling in about an eight-win season every year at NC State. That's not necessarily what history says. And then even to some degree, North Carolina pe- peaking in in top 25s here under Mac Brown and, and that sort of thing. Again, there's a few of them because of Mac Brown in the 80s uh, and into the early 90s, but again, North Carolina, not necessarily a program that you say I'd pencil them in for top three or four in the league. That's not necessarily their place in football. Meanwhile, Florida State, who you penciled in at the top, they were the Clemson. I mean, Bobby Bowden for 30 years. Okay, They're not playing to their level. Miami's not playing to their level. Uh, Even someone like Pittsburgh, historically better than just a 6-7 win program. And so... And I throw in Virginia Tech too because of a Beamer. Yeah, Frank Beamer. Since he's been gone, they've not been what Frank Beamer was. So you've got maybe a changing of guard, or maybe just a temporary disruption where 
you've got three or four teams playing above their normal and three or four teams playing below their normal. So it's caused the ACC to be a little wacky because at its core, I'm sorry, I don't think Wake Forest has the capacity to win a national title. Nah. Uh, you know, I, I don't really think any of those teams I did. I, I, I'd love it to be true. Yeah. But I just know. don't think North Carolina can ever win a title. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. Sorry, uh, Mom. I that, hate it too. But I just don't think that's say. true. You know, I just don't <laughs> think they can win a national title in football. In basketball, sign me up. They'll go to the Final Four every few years. But in football, I just don't think they can get there. And the teams that can – like Miami and Florida State, they've been nowhere to be found. I saw a little bit of your soul fly away. Yeah, you, is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another minute or two before we catch our, our last break of the show, uh, and uh, and then we'll get the TV guide after that break. So, all right. Again, let me give you a hot seat or two. Or you tell me how hot the seat is. That's kind of how we're doing this. Um, there's not a lot of guys to pick from that are obvious. So, give me a timeline on the seat temperature of Mario Cristobal. This is just year two, but just give me so, a seat a, a, a seat warmth timeline. So, like I said, it was, um, you know, I, I like I said, it, I think it's got, I think he's got until after year three. I think he's, or at least year three in itself. Because obviously, you know, some some teams have zero problem at all whatsoever firing their head coach in the middle of the season. Whatever. My thought process is, I think he's going to get a little bit more time than usual, because he's a, because you know he was at Miami. That was his alma mater. All of that. So they're going to give him a little bit more time. I kind of think about it as like the um, the situation with Patrick Ewing in Georgetown, where you know they're they're going to be a little bit softer with him because he used to play there um, and they're going to give him a little bit more time sure. probably than he maybe should. But again, Cristobal has a track record at a previous program already, a previous program that has, he has made top 25. Uh, Oregon has been plenty, I mean, plenty of good as a, as a, um, as a program. And so you would think that that would translate to Miami, but it doesn't seem to have, translated as much already in just this short period of time but again it is a small sample size he is entering you know his second year so you just kind of want to see if he can get it this year and and see if maybe he can produce some wins and then if not then you're like okay year three okay now we need to need to see so i would say he's probably between like you know maybe a medium-ish hot type of seat right now you know i would lean it would be lean more towards the cooler side than 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 hotter i would i just think he's got i i think he's just going to get a little bit more of a pass than most would because if because of where he is uh real quickly give you another one had about eighth year for dino babers who is 36 and 49 at syracuse but is coming off a seven and six how hot is that seat right now <sighs> Syracuse, man. Syracuse I, I'll give is... you the last five years because they were really good in 18, yeah. 10, and 3. But then 5 and 7, 1 and 10, 5 and 7, then 7 and 6. So how warm is that seat? Yeah, that's a pretty warm seat, I would say. I, I little uncomfy? Yeah, a little uncomfy. Need to be above you, 500. got to be above 500. And it's so weird because Syracuse, you know, they, they had a 7-win season last year. But there were some games that you feel like they probably should have won. Like they were, they were, they were up pretty significantly against Clemson at Clemson. Um, 
And I'm I wanna if I remember correctly, Clemson scored a touchdown at the last second to win that game. Maybe a walk off touchdown if I remember correctly, because I mean they were up maybe two touchdowns. If I if I think they were up about yeah two two touchdowns maybe, um, and and I just, ended up I blowing think, that lead. I don't remember how Clemson took the lead. I just remember I think Syracuse had some turnovers. Syracuse there. had some turnovers, and I think there was like an iffy call that might have been missed as well that um, caused them to have have that kind of issue. Um, but you know they, I mean, they were able to beat a team like NC State last year. That you know was a pretty solid team as well. I don't know if Devin Leary had already been injured at that point. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. I don't remember. Um, but then you know you you win. You're I mean you're undefeated and you're ranked by the time you get to uh, by the time you you get to Clemson. You're ranked 12th. Clemson is ranked fifth. Um, and then you just you lose every single game after that. So they got. I mean, last year you, if you're ranked, I mean that's a pretty solid. At least yes. you were ranked for you know you got all the way up to twenty. You got all the way up to twelve when you were playing Clemson. You were up a lot for most of that game. Uh, a lot of people are like, man, what's going on with Clemson? A lot to do. And then Clemson ends up coming back and winning that game. And then you just have a, just a complete downward spiral, and then you just you know blow out loss to Notre Dame, losing to Pitt, losing to I mean absolute beatdown against Florida State, only so, beat Boston College, and then you're lost five in a row. There. Right, yeah. right. So you know it. Oh yeah, that is a win. Excuse yeah, it was thirty-two twenty-three. Um, yeah, uh, it just um, so I I would say yes, it's warm. If you can, but not scalding. No, not yeah. scalding. I I think they're like okay. You had something last year, and it obviously fell off the rails. You had they had a really talented running back as well, Sean Tucker. Yes, um, who who was really good. Not sure. <laughs> no, oh, he's a, he's a buck. He's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. He'll probably make the team because Keyshawn Vaughn's right. crashed. But please continue. <laughs> okay, that's what I was gonna say. I'm pretty sure they lost him. So yes. I, I okay, and so with that. Um, you're going to have to kind of replace that production. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, I would say it's, it's warm, not scalding. You gotta be above 500. And even if you're not above 500, I'd say that, you know, he, he might get one more season. He might still get one more season. All right. Real quickly. You got Clemson and Florida state in the ACC title game. Are you going to mix it up? Yeah. You got Clemson. And do you have Clemson over Florida state in the title game? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Because Florida do you State think, could very do you think well they, be... Do you think they split? Because they'll play in the regular season. They if will. you got a rematch, do you think they'll split? Think all or nothing for one of the teams. Yeah, I think they split. I think whoever okay. wins that first game is going to lose the second Okay. Time. Yeah. I, I've got I've got Clemson, Florida State. I just don't think Carolina or Pitt can, can make it all the way up. Um I will, however, be a little bolder. I'm gonna. I, I will say the second game would worry me for the win, winner of the first game. Yeah. I'll go Clemson a sweep though. I'll go. I'll go ahead and take Clemson for both. I think Klubnik will be really good. I'm gonna pan towards the side of that their defense is experienced. I think they will be able to win enough games there. We're gonna take our final timeout of the show. That was a great look at the ACC right there. Again, if you miss any of that, Sports Call Podcast was in my Coca Cola. Uh, We'll have the Big Ten tomorrow and the SEC on Friday. One final timeout, back with a nightly TV guide right after this.
Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Final couple minutes of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry, T.P. Hammock running the board this afternoon. Great talk about the ACC right there as we preview all five Power 5 leagues before Week 0 starts on Saturday. Again, Big Ten tomorrow, SEC on Friday. Just a minute or two left after this show again, 6 o'clock right here, Tiger 95.9, the high school coaches show, Brooks Childress and Walter Northcutt. Uh, from the end zone bar and grill. Look forward to kicking off our high school season this week. Final minute or two of the show, though. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Six o'clock tonight, the Little League World Series continues on ESPN. I believe the championships are this weekend, so continue to enjoy the Little League World Series at 6 o'clock. 6.20, we did not get to this, but on Bally Sports South, the Atlanta Braves and the New York Metropolitans. And this is the night that we've got all four of them back in the booth. we got Jeff Francoeur, Tom Glavin, Chipper Jones, and John Smoltz in the booth. That was a lot of fun back in the month of June. Poor Larry Crown. Poor Larry Crown. Uh, that was a lot of fun uh, when they did that in the month of June. Hopefully it'll be a just as fun experience, and I'm hoping it will be Tonight, also got three movie picks for you. Got Iron Man 2, that one coming up at 7 o'clock on FX. You got Catch Me If You Can, 7 o'clock on Showtime. That's an awesome one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. And you've got the 2019 Aladdin. That is 7 o'clock on Disney Channel. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw. Hard seltzer again coming up here in just a few minutes from End Zone Bar and Grill, the high school coaches show. Brooks Childress will be interviewing some of the various coaches in the area in Borgard High School's kickoff classic tomorrow night on on right here on Tiger 95.9. So really excited for high school season to start up. Cam, thank you for being here this afternoon. Had a lot of fun. We'll yes, see sir. you again on Friday. Glad to be here. See you Friday. And, of course, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and T.P. Hammock running the board, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night. Enjoy the high school coaches show coming up, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.